Hello and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Ben Mandelker, and we are at round 15, turn six. And I'm here with Candace Harris, the Omni Gamer. Hi, Candace. Hey, Ben. And Dimitri Portnoy, the Philosophical Gamer. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. Um, hi, guys. Today we are going to talk about the 2017 game. Civilization, A New Dawn, as as well as its expansion, the 2020 expansion, Terra Incognita. And then afterwards, this is a very fun subject. We're going to be discussing our favorite Ferrari games, which are not games that you play in a Ferrari or (laughs) are themed around Ferraris. They're games that... What what do we say? That they look like sexy? Ferraris. They're like Ferraris. Dimitri, you say yeah, what, what they're it like is. Ferraris. They look fast and sleek and awesome, but actually have a powerful engine under the good hood. Yeah. So uh, And you feel great. You feel great. Driving them. <laughs> and everyone else sees you playing them and thinks you're a huge, huge I don't know I don't know the uh, <laughs> I don't know like the, the, the line of <laughs> vulgarity we're allowed on this podcast so we'll just let it like well you guys can finish the sentence just just, just say huge huge personality (laughs) (laughs) um hi guys it's so good to see you here it's a saturday morning candace this is the first time i've hosted and you've been a guest which is exciting this is very exciting and i'm just happy to be here with both of you i've been enjoying our recent times together playing Civ yes. New Dawn. In, in fact, we played our uh, last game uh, less than 12 hours ago. Less than 12, <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're, we're doing the quick like 12 hour turnaround between game night and podcasting, mm-hmm. but it's very exciting. These are not guild rules, these are not union <laughs> no. rules. We did no. not get our 12 hour turnaround at all. No, we need to create some protections for board game podcasters. <laughs> But um, yeah, we Can- have to unionize the shop. You, you know, we have to unionize Game Brain <laughs> to yeah. make sure that we get our twelve-hour turnaround. We get our lunch break. Yes, oh, yes. Uh, lunch you, break you know, is key. we can't play a game five hours in a row for five hours <laughs> well, straight. Well, let's not or go get from crazy. One game- I give me an eight-hour game. I'm good to go. I will do that eight hours straight through usually. But you have snack cakes. I do. I so, usually so so that counts as a break. I f- I do feel like I've failed Candace because the last several times that people have come over here to podcast, I usually have a snacking cake ready to go. I know, I but you but you gave me iced coffee since I forgot to bring my stro. I, I did. <laughs> I did give you iced coffee, but like the snacking cake, I don't know. I'll I'll take a request for next time. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know what type of what type of cake do you enjoy? By the way, Ooh, what's your sweet spot for I'm, cake? I'm so I'm not a big chocolate person, right. even though I am a chocolate person. You, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, anything that has kind of an apple cinnamon, so I love anything that has that like whipped vanilla icing or Mm. even a little marshmallow kind of mixed in there. Okay. Uh, Rainbow jimmies. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah. So you like a vanilla cake? I'm more of a vanilla cake. Strawberry shortcake works. Carrot cake works. Do you like citrus? I do. I do. Candace just gave a look to Dimitri like, is this a trap? Am I answering a trap question right now? A a citrus trap question. I mean. Because Ben makes a mean blood orange cake. Oh. 
It's true. I'm not going to. No, well, I, I like to feel like I don't. It's not that I make it. I just follow the recipe, you know, okay. and I have oh. a really, you know, like a kick ass recipe for it. You know, you're the cake guy on this podcast. I'm doing the cake thing. I just got a cookie cookbook, though. You have that. You actually benefit. Ooh, you guys have had some of those apple cookies. butter cookies were so good. Yeah, I was hoping to make some cookies for last night at game night, but um, I ran out of time. Um, which was sad because, you know, it would have been great to have some cookies. But that being said, let's do you mind if we all just transition into game night discussion? Because I feel like we have a lot to discuss this entire to. episode. Okay. Game so night. <laughs> it's the haunted spirit of game night back yet again on a beautiful Saturday morning. Um, game night was rowdy last night. That was a, f- I'm like, I feel like I'm hungover. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. like, and I'm not like a not like from drinking a beer because we de- we had beer. I just feel like I'm hungover from like game night energy today. It was really cool, and it was also awesome to have three games going at once. Yep, we had us playing Civ a New Dawn with Paul. There was Ark Nova. Yep, Elder with was Elder. playing, Shocking. of course. <laughs> For the two hundredth uh, time, probably yes. right now. Tom and Mike and my Matt were playing Messina thirteen forty seven, which was yeah. I'm so jealous. I've been wanting to play that game so bad. I have it. It's right there. See, it's right there on that stack at the top. I'm just like <laughs> want to play it so 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 badly, but the timing with me and when it's gotten to the table has not worked out. But um, You're you know, traveling I'm, a lot lately. I'm traveling. I'm going to your town this week, by the way. If anyone Ooh. out there in Game Brain, I'm coming to Philly and to Pittsburgh this week. Well, it's and Patty's Day, too, in Philly. I know. And uh, I should mention. I am told that yes. you should not call it that. It's St. Patrick's. Oh, okay. Yeah, th- that uh, some people find no, that dude. a little disrespectful because he is a saint. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and we yes, should I say the full name. Cr- Let me tell you something. St. Patrick's year, Day. Yep, this year, it's St. Mayor's Day in honor of Mayor of Easttown. Okay? My favorite Philadelphia <laughs> Fabulous <based>. show. <laughs> Fabulous <laughs> show. <laughs> or or murder, actually, murder. not really Philly, but yeah. <laughs> Delco. Um, and actually, by the way, this is not really a game night thing, but speaking of St. Patrick's Day, um, my copy of So Clover is coming in today. It may even arrive while we're here Ooh. podcasting. Do you guys know about So Clover? Yes. Do, yes. Do you know no, about it? No. So it's a word game. Uh, we love word games in this household. That's word games are one of the is one of the genres of games that my boyfriend will play with me, and it's the people, if I'm correct, Candice, uh, who do uh, just, just one, one. right? Mm-hmm. And it's this. Mm-hmm. It's this, you actually hold a plastic clover and the clover, you put in these cards with words on them and the cards have, each card has, it's a square and there's like a word on each square side and you put them together and you line them and it's a whole thing where you're aligning words, writing down words, resetting it and trying to get, make people guess. I, I don't fully understand it, but I hear it's super fun. And um, I'm excited to uh, to usher in St. Mayor's Day with it. Yeah, it's it's really great. I actually picked it up uh, a month ago when I was going to the beach for my birthday and I was trying to find something that was kind of beach friendly that, mm-hmm. you know, I could play with kind of non-gamer friends. And I like to describe it as the the perfect blend of code names and just one because mm. it has oh. it has elements of both. But it's yeah, it's a really, really great party game. Yeah. Um, great word word guessing game and even like my friend who isn't into board games and usually is you know someone who's kind of more introverted and hides when we break out games he was like I like this and he got into it you know mm-hmm. and it's something where you know if you have friends like that who aren't as into board games 
they can just be guessers initially. Yeah. And then you'll see they'll start to be like, oh, I want to give clues now, too, mm-hmm. as they get comfortable with it. But yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, I think there's been a whole kind of nice, almost like a word game revolution over the past few years, maybe probably started by code names. I mean, between code names and just one, my personal favorite, Decrypto, which I think is, I think it's actually one of the best. Like, and that might be a top 25 Ooh. game for me. Not for you. I'm going to have to revisit it. So I, I went in thinking I was going to love Decrypto. I could have had just a wonky first experience with it. Um, but there something something like kind of silly that was like off-putting to me in that game is that everything black is bad and the white stuff is yeah, good. And I'm that's like, a, uh, I, I actually really? agree with that. I, it's like sort of an antiquated. Yeah. Um, uh, it's one of those things that just seems like it's innocent enough, but then like actually can contribute to larger paradigms, which we don't, you know, right, which right. we're trying to move on from. I actually agree with that. So that, yeah, that kind of like rubbed me the wrong way, but also I, the, I've only played it once. So I'm definitely down to play it again because I like that whole idea of, you know, cause one of my pet peeves with code names is that when the people are coming up with the clues, everybody else is just sitting around waiting. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's a little more engaging than code names. But I want to, you know, now we'll that I hear you again. love it, yeah, I'd like, I want to play You may have had you. a bad experience because I, I actually think it's like a brilliant game. I think it's it's like it takes the code names thing and it just amps it up. It's I think it's actually such an intelligent game because it's not just doing the word association that you get with code names. It's like the word association that you do like it, it, can't, it doesn't live in a vacuum. Have you played it before, Dimitri? I have not played the crypto. Oh, I think you would really like it a lot. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to describe it. It's actually a very strange pitch, um, and it's it's oddly um, tricky to teach. But then it's one of those games that you start playing and it, it all fits together. But um, a clue you give in round one like that sort of like stays in your, it sort of stays there in the game and it's going to inform the clue you give in round two and in round three and in round four. And basically it's the, a legacy word game. It sort of is. It's like a small <laughs> legacy word game. Like language itself. <laughs> but, it's, um, but anyway, actual game night for last night. So yeah, we played those, we played those games. That was super, super, it was just a great rowdy time. Um, Dimitri, do you want to tell us about our game of Avalon that we had last night? Because I feel like you were caught in the crosshairs. I am still black and blue from it. <laughs> uh, I've been bruised. My ego is down in the gutter. I'm terrible at Avalon now. Uh, and I think what's happening is uh, I, I discovered for myself a, a, a mathematical logic in the game that used to work really well. Now, other people have caught onto it and are twisting it and are making it more slippery, more social. And I I just fell off of it. I, I, I fell off the train. I have to run to catch up. <laughs> uh, I have to discover a new meta. Uh, and also, I feel when I'm accused, I get very defensive. Ooh, you got now, very defensive. I, I got very defensive last night. Uh, That's great. And the thing is, if I'm accused because of someone's logic, or math, I, I take it in stride. But if I'm accused personally because of how I'm <laughs> acting or, or, or how Welcome I look. Welcome to my or, world of social deduction games. From, I just don't trust you, man. Yes. Yeah, and, and I have to learn, like Paul uh, does brilliantly, uh, that when somebody's accusing you, that's actually a badge of honor. They're scared. Mm. Uh, they're afraid that, that, that you are a spy or they're afraid that you're a good guy. They're trying to throw you under the bus. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's, uh, it's respect. 
it's a show of respect. It and, and Paul says, do you, do you remember what Paul says? You may not need me now. You may not think you need me now, but you will need me later. Uh, so he has the confidence to to deal yeah. with that much better than I. Yeah, it was it was a riveting game. It was riveting. I still feel like I'm not fully <laughs> like I never like I'm terrible at Avalon. Yeah, and, me too. But I'm always just smiling when I play with you guys because it's still since the very first time I played Avalon at a Game Brain game night. It's just so fascinating because you guys have played it so many times. And personally, I just still never know who to trust. Me and neither. Unless I'm bad, which I was last night. And that, and then which I, to- <laughs> I was 50-50 with you. Yeah. I, well, that's usually people just suss me out immediately. I when, when I first joined the group, I actually didn't really love playing Avalon. Because um, just because my social deduction game of choice is Secret Hitler... And Avalon, I thought was fine, but also like the group has this codified meta of like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. If you do this, you do that. And like right. the moment you like you like go against the meta, people think you're bad. And I found that actually to be like, I found that to be annoying. And like it was annoying to then it's like either you catch up to this complicated meta that's been developed over <laughs> like two decades or something, or <laughs> or you get accused. And so like the options were like not totally like fun for me so uh but what's happened is that i've come i've also gotten to know you guys a lot more and i've i've grown to just like enjoy the chaos of the night and i and the Same. ritual of it and um i still and i also really enjoy trying to like throw a wrench into the meta like i love <laughs> being like you know trying to just like keep people on their toes and be like some sort of like agent of chaos in a way mm-hmm. you know because low-key like, yeah, because I kind of feel like when people when people declare like this is how you got to do it. well if you there's uh, well there's like four 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 people said no so therefore it has to be this I like to I like to sort of just like try to turn you're my nemesis yeah I'm like that <laughs> and, and you're making it all sound like a Politburo meeting <laughs> where the old guard is, is trying to put the young uh, change well, I mean, maker. <laughs> In this place. Well, one of the first times I played, um, there was like a team that was nominated. I was like, well, we don't know anything yet. So sure. Why don't we say yes to this one? And everyone was like, how could you, how could you say yes to this team? You You're know, bad. we still have You're five, bad. we still have five more votes. Everyone knows you don't say yes to a team on the first time. Right. Everyone knows. I was like, oh my God, everyone get a grip, you know? <laughs> but, um, but I, but it's really fun to kind of like, it now, is. I, get I in the mix. It, it is. We I've really grown to, to love it. We used to play it at the end of the night. Uh, uh, and and now we play it at the beginning because it gets our blood fu- flowing, it gets our juices flowing, it gets our energy up. It, it definitely did. It was definitely very rowdy. It was very fun. And unfortunately, Dimitri, uh, I had to throw you under the Brit under the bus as much as possible last night, and then pretend like I had your then pretend like I believed you, and I believed you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so finally, Ben sees the light. Abusive. I I finally because it was a moment when like you and Tom had like a little bit of a like a like a disagreement or something. And oh, then yeah. I was like, you know what, Dimitri, I believe you. And I was like, I was like, let me get his trust right now. That is such a spy move. <laughs> and then and I was charmed by charmed. it. And I totally and believed it. I was it. working with Paul. I listened. It wasn't like I won this game for the, for the team, but like, I was like, I felt like I was putting, I, I was mm-hmm. pulling my weight, you know? And I felt bad. I did have to bamboozle you a bit, Candace. Yeah. I was, I was just lost, especially with the whole Tom and elder thing. 
Yeah. You know, at some point I was like, oh, no, these guys are good. Like I could tell. But then I was like, they're kind of over the top about, you know, having each other's backs. And I'm like, well, that's kind of sus, you know? Yep. So then I just start questioning everything. And then it seemed like, yeah, there was this whole Dimitri against Tom thing. So I'm like, well, if I think Tom's good, Dimitri must be bad. But if Dimitri's good, like, and it didn't cross my mind that we were all good. Yeah, yes. when good guys are fighting each other, yeah, the, the bad guys win, which we are seeing now in Congress. But but oh, I'm not oh. going to say anything. Well, either way. Um, but we played other games. Obviously, we played those other games last night. But over the past, like, two weeks or so, there have been some really interesting games we've all played. Candice, do you want to tell us about some other games that you've played yeah. uh, recently? Sure. I just uh, got back from Dice Tower West. I was there last weekend. Very exciting. And um, I did not play nearly as many games as I always hoped going into a convention. It, it was more of a social kind of vibe like it was just great to see so many different people lots of content creators there that i've met on live streams and you know see on twitter but i've never met in person so that was like really exciting you know you're you're walking down the convention hall bumping this person talking bumping that next thing it's four o'clock and it's almost dinner time you know so i didn't get as much gaming in as i would have liked oh jennifer was there too by the way okay lots of la friends were there which was really nice just kind of being at a different convention than Strategicon altogether. Yes. Um, but uh, I would say the three kind of uh, standout games or most memorable games that I played was uh, one was Burn Cycle, which is uh, the one of the newest, uh, I guess, the newest chip theory game that just uh, is just starting to ship to backers. Okay. And uh, Shannon, who it works and actually developed, uh, was one of the developers on Burn Cycle. She works for Chip Theory Games, was there. Uh, and she's super cool. I was not expecting to nice. see her there. So she's like, I got Burn Cycle. So she taught me, played a round, but then everybody we were playing with had to leave. So we were like, all right, we'll just do a round. And Burn Cycle, if you're not familiar with it, is a kind of this infiltration game where we're it's a cooperative game where you're a team of robots and we have to uh, break into a building and complete some missions and kind of get out. And there are like a bunch of different scenarios you can play. All the robots are uh, have special abilities. Uh, and then there's this whole mini game with like what's going on in the network that you're playing. Mm-hmm. It's It's a lot of stuff. Wow. Okay. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. Um, uh, and then, and you also, by the way, you told me last night that you met or I met in person two of my favorite content creators. Thinker, I love yes. them. I love them so much. They are even sweeter in person. And yeah, that was definitely a highlight because I don't think I realized they were going to be in from Australia. Yeah. From Australia. Uh, but yeah, that was really, really cool. Um, and then I also, I picked up from the virtual flea market there, this old Steffenfeld game from 2010 called the speaker stat. And mm-hmm. I guess at some point it was re-implemented as a Viking theme game called Jorvik. Oh yeah. Okay. I never so, played that, but I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. It's you know for some reason I've been wanting to pick up some of these older, uh, more classic Euros that play in less than an hour. Just so and they're like you know lighter weight, so I can play with anybody. Um, but it has this really cool auction. It's a card auction where you're placing uh, workers above slots where you have, you know, you seed it with five or so cards, depending on the player count. Mm -hmm. And after everybody places their three workers um, on whatever cards they're bidding on, 
Then you resolve the cards from left to right, and the person who placed the first worker above each slot has first dibs to buy the card, but okay. the cost of the card equals the number of meeples that are lined oh, okay. up. So, so you can mm-hmm. purposely kind of like over make things expensive that's for fun. people. Yeah, it, yeah, that's very that's clever. So that's it's like, mm-hmm. it's really good. We should play it sometime. Add it's, it onto the list. It, yeah, the ever growing <laughs> list. It's a quick one too. And I got I got to play it four players, but I also got to play it three players, and that was mean. Okay. Ooh, it gets mean that with That sounds three like it players. could be a very mean game. Yeah, but that yeah. was really good. And then the last one that I just want to mention right. that I played at Dice Tower West was, um, I brought it with me, um, Nicaea, which yes. is a new Holland Spiel game on Christianity in 3, 325 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, tab- a really interesting tableau builder where these five uh, points of Christianity that we're disputing, and the way the dispute works is there are two stacks of cards, A or B, for these five different, um, and each dispute has their own stack of A and B cards. So you're going to be like getting these cards. Everybody gets a one at the beginning of the game. So you're, you know, you have one stance on some issue when you start the game. Yeah. And you're, we're basically all bishops. And, you know, we're, we're getting cards for our tableau, and then there's, like, a stock market thing. So, a lot of... I mean, that, and that's what I think about often when about debating Christianity, the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but you had told me about this game because you had heard that it's actually surprisingly a very cool and clever game, tableau builder game. Right. And did you start... To, did you feel that way when you played it? Yeah, so I... You know, I had to find, uh, I found four friends to play it with. And I was Uh like, hey, this is a game where the rule book is, I think there are like five or six pages of rules, like three actions, and then this debate round. So I'm like, it's not, it's seemingly very simple, but I was like, I don't think we're going to understand the whys we're doing things until we start playing that first round. Mm -hmm. So it was very much a learning game uh, where our first round was kind of long and we're like, well... You know, you, you're spending uh, an influence called, uh, or your currency in the game is influence, and you have like temporary influence tokens, but then you also, as you buy cards in your tableau, you can flip your card face down to spend influence. Mm. So it's this kind of semi-closed economy with this influence. I and- love the closed economy, honestly. <laughs> I do. I really yeah. do. It, it, it's, it got really interesting, but we're like, whoa. When when is the round going to end? Like, because you know you don't do the debate phase till everybody passes consecutively. The way you pay for cards is really interesting because you have these four uh, boxes that you're paying into. So if I'm buying a card that costs three influence, I would put one influence in the top box, next into the second box, third, and so these boxes are filling up with influence. Mm-hmm. When you pass because you want to or you have to because you can't do anything else, you get to take. The influence the from the topmost box that has it. So there, there are a lot of like really cool timing things. And honestly, I as soon as we played it, I was like, I want to play it again. Right. And I, I can't wait to play it again, especially now that I've played a game and kind of understand how it works better, so I can teach it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's and again, it's something like you could play it in like sixty minutes, maybe yeah. hour and a half tops. We'll have to keep an eye out for it. It sounds definitely very interesting. Now, Dimitri. Anything interesting that you played recently? Uh, barrage. Barrage. Um, and it, 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 
I, I felt heartwarmed to, to be reminded of what a great game it is. Because, yes. nice. uh, you know, I haven't played it in a while, uh, and I keep talking about it. And like with photographs of an event, sometimes you remember the photograph rather than the event itself. Uh, and uh, playing the game, uh, just it's so well made. Uh, and uh, it, it was Jake and Paul myself uh and friend of the podcast joe Mm -hmm. and joe won brilliantly and handily even though he was fourth player and one of the things about barrage we were playing it without the expansion uh we always felt that the fourth player gets short thrift Mm. because they can't uh place uh, a dam uh, uh, at, at, at a spot and they can't generate uh, in the mm-hmm. first re- electricity in the first round. Uh, and Cho proved us uh, completely wrong. Um, cool. So Good. not only was that a demonstration of how durable and smooth the game is, uh, but also that it's maybe even better than we first thought, uh, that maybe it does not have the flaw uh, that we thought it had at the beginning. Yeah, I think Barrage is a. It's like it's it's an excellent game, and and you also, Candace, like Decrypto itself. You also had like not a great intro to <laughs> yeah, Barrage, yeah. and like you need to. Re- you haven't. Re- have you- I, I I need to revisit yeah. Barrage. Yeah, for real, because the the first time I played it, I think it was Jennifer's copy, and it was at Strategicon the year that it came out, and uh, the two guys that I was playing with just took incredibly long to take their turns and it would be like i would do my turn and i'd immediately know what i'm doing next and i would Mm. just wait and wait and wait and it it really sucked the life out of it um but it seems like something i like i was hype about it it's a great game Mm -hmm. and i think you should give another shot because um and maybe maybe there's like some combination of being at a convention where you sort of maybe not even you're fully aware of it but there's sort of like a pressure of like I'm at a convention. I want to play a lot of games, and if someone's taking a long time, it probably grates a little bit more than you mm-hmm. may, than normally. And if you're just sort of at a comfortable game night environment, you can sort of actually enjoy those moments to like talk with some your friends or whatever, um, because it's it is it is like legitimately an absolutely amazing game. I actually think it is a collection essential for people who are interested in in heavier games. Um, I mean, even like if you're a midweight game, you might gamer you might get into it. but i think it's i it has held up the test of time like I, i'm i'm shocked i, at I how believe there it are is. some expansions coming some new maps uh, i have one of the are... new maps i have oh, there cool. is you're right there are yes and but i, I have uh, the five player map i have the five player expansion the five player map i played with i played like a half game with it once and it was like very interesting like i don't know what they did with that map but like it was sort of different weird dynamics i think they had some of the pipes going in stranger directions which was fun how is it with five players you know what i think we played with four players oh but with the five Five players players, it will be it will be long but um i'm fascinated to try it out i mean it's 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 just such a good game and people should really seek it out the the other thing that kind of um made it not like kind of lukewarm for me after that first game was that I had just gotten the great Zimbabwe and I had learned that and played that and played it multiple times. And uh, there was just like, you know, like the splatter games where there's, (laughs) I'm not saying it's easy to learn, but there's like a simplicity to it where, but like so much deep strategy on the board, like you don't have that many action choices and so when I played Barrage, I'm like, oh, look at these million actions. Like, yeah. 
but you know, it is a worker placement game. Yeah, uh, and it is not sandboxy. Uh, the joy of it is discovering the hidden channels. Uh, no pun intended. Yes, uh, that that you can take, um, and uh, de- also depending on the actions that other players take, mm-hmm. uh, it's really interactive. Yeah, I think uh, it, I think it was the best game of the year that it came out. It was it had a good year, but it was uh, there was a lot of good games that year. But I think it was. I think it, it, it's 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 pretty excellent game. So I'm excited. I can't to, wait to play it again. We're gonna now. we're gonna we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna like we're gonna bring you back to it. Yes, please um, do. Uh, and now a game that we played, Candace, yeah. that we had a big day of it. We had a big day. So, you know, it's an th- awesome day. Big awesome day. This is you know we've been talking about. Well, anytime I've been on the podcast, I just yap about this game because we we are gonna be doing our first impressions of it at some point in the in the next few weeks because we have the prototype of it. But it was Gemini. Yes. Very excited to uh, to teach you and Matt Hegemony. Mm-hmm. We played mm-hmm. with Paul. We had a whole day of it. What did you think about it? I thought it was really, really interesting. Um I like especially like it is a long teach because each faction plays asymmetrically, even though the working class and middle class kinda have and even me, the capitalist class have some similarities. So um, it did take a while to kind of teach it, but I love card-driven games. So I love when you have a hand of cards and you're like, oh, I could do this event or I could do something else with this card. Uh, I love the asymmetry between the factions and how everything everybody did impacted the whole society. At all times. At all times. Um, And I I really enjoyed... The, uh, what is it? The political phase. Yeah. Uh, where we're voting on things. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, that I'm excited about getting my copy because I did back that even before I played it. I thought yeah. it sounded really interesting. I think there's going to be, it's a game that, in a, in a sense, it's a shame that it actually takes so long that it's like, I don't mind the length. It just, it means that it's harder to schedule it because it's a game that you, I, I kind of want to like get lots of reps in because there are a lot of things, a lot of le- was it levers to pull or whatever. Right. There's a lot of things to try and there's a lot of stuff there to sort of figure out like, Ooh, what, what could this, you know, what could this do? It seems like with all the factions, the quote unquote factions, like lower, like the, like I was going to say, I'm going lower class. That's so bad. Working class, middle class, capitalist class and the state the state yeah paul i mean there's like so many things you could be doing and i kind of feel like the first time you play the game there's certain things you sort of gravitate towards doing but it makes me wonder like what the emergent play is like and 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 ways to use all these policies there's so many policies we didn't really dive into or so many things we didn't manipulate and there's like a whole economic aspect of the game and um it was it was really cool and that was the first time that i had played a full game of it in person um, in one sitting. And that was, uh, it was really, it was really cool to see how that panned out. And it was amazing to see how close our scores were in the end because I was the middle class and I was lagging behind for hours and hours and hours and hours. And then I just came roaring back in the final round and I knew I wasn't going to win, but for a moment, it looked like maybe I might pull some sort of upset, you know? I know. And then you beat me by one point at one the point. end. One <laughs> point. The middle class beat the capitalists. Bitter party of one. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one thing that I, you know, I definitely, like, I want to play it more because I, I'm seeing, like, different review. Like, I, of course, I wanted to look at other content and what re- other reviewers or previewers had said about it. But it seems like most people... Um, are playing it in a much shorter time frame yeah. 
than it took us to play. So I think, I know we can definitely like get it down, but I, I did not mind. It was like a great day together. We were, we got into it like we always do. Um, but one of the things is like midway through the game, I was like, well, couldn't we just cut a round off and say it Mm -hmm. ends after four rounds? And it turns out that the way the middle class especially works, you need that full five rounds to kind of develop your scoring engine a bit. So I Or so it would appear off of that one play. Right. Right. Again, this is all based on one play for me. But so I wonder if there is, you know, some kind of like Terraforming Mars prelude situation where you can start the middle class a little more boosted so that it could a be a stimulus, shorter if you will. game. A stimulus, <laughs> a stimulus. Yes, if like there's a stimulus in history, right? Uh, the middle class was created by government action uh, in the Depression and after World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I am like, I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree, but I also say like, I don't mind having the full scope because I actually enjoy that in games where you start with like nothing and you have to mm-hmm. build like in mm-hmm. Terraforming Mars, people are like, oh, you always have to play with Prelude. I actually don't believe that. Like I like Prelude and I will play with it, but I also think there's something fun where you have like, you have nothing. crumbs, yeah. you have air and you just build. And I like that feeling of prog- like that full scope of progression. But I do think that this is a really fun game and it actually could be an important game. Um, and I think totally. that like, uh, if it's something that would help uh, get it to the table more, I a hundred percent would support some sort of expansion that kind of, that, that variant kind of makes or it, something. Makes yeah. But I think, it, yeah, especially if we can get it down to like four and a half or five hours, super good. That would be, that would be wonderful. Uh, but the thing is that like, we're also a pretty social game group and, and social in the sense that when we play games, there's a lot of crosstalk. And we're not there's rushing, a lot of, yeah. and there's a lot of like, you know, when you, when you do an action, usually there's going to be someone to be like, Oh, are you sure you want to do that? Because I'm offering this and that. And we kind of get into like the negotiation part of it. So, you know, that, that pulls it out also. And, like, and honestly, like the turns, like I'm baffled that it took us close to, I think it was almost seven hours, maybe six, yeah. seven hours to play it because it feels like you're moving fast. It's like. It's shocking. Most turns, people are like, okay, I'm doing this. I play the card, do this. Okay, next. I'm, you know, every once in a while, we all had moments where we're like, ooh, I got to stop and think. But overall, the flow of it, mm-hmm. you know, the tempo feels good. So, uh, but it also could be you had, we had two new players and again, the social teaching, aspect. Yeah. Yep. You never know. But I really like the game and I'm excited to I'm play so it. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I'm re- and I'm excited, Dimitri, for you to play it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. As the philosophical gamer, I'm excited for you to see what philosophical elements you draw out of this experience, of the game experience. But just know it'll <laughs> yeah, be a so, long game. So, so am I. So am I. Um, uh, a game, and you know that I played the day before Hegemony. I had like that weekend, it was about a week ago. Power two game show. weekend. It was a power game weekend for me because we had a whole day of that. And then the day prior to that, I played 1848 Australia with um, Jason and Jason. <laughs> it's a three-player game of it. Um, so we wound up clocking in about seven hours for that, um, which was much shorter than the 13-hour play that I played previously reported on this podcast. Um, we played, I think we started around, maybe it wasn't seven hours. We started around, uh, I don't remember, was it 11 or 1? I don't know. Somewhere around there, we ended around 7 p.m. But um, it's great. This is a great 18xx game. This is my second playthrough. Three players. It was very, very fun. Um, 
Everyone says it's like you play it in four hours. My experience has been it's been longer, but again, there may be more discussions. Who knows what it is? But if people are um, if people are are interested in uh, getting a new 18xx title, I, I so far and we I think we are going to review this one. But so far, 1848 has been like a pure delight. It's it's just super fascinating map. Like it's mm. the way it develops, the things you have to think about. Um, I'm loving it. But then. You know, I'm also a little bit of an 18xx apologist. I've yet to find an 18xx game where I'm like, <laughs> it was only mad. Like, I literally think every single one of them really is fascinating. like fascinating and fun. Like, I've never had a bad time playing an 18xx game. It's crazy. But I think, you know, that's the system itself. So that's my Australia update. Dimitri, any other games of note? Uh, you mentioned Terraforming Mars, uh, the uh, Prelude expansion. That's what we played Um Last week at Tom's, yes, uh, with Jake uh, and uh, Bob and Brian, who are friends of the podcast. So it's a five-player uh, game, and uh, for some reason, I feel I've lost my taste for it. Oh. Uh, and I, 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 I felt like Paul, you, you know, uh, I'm so someone sorry. who, <laughs> someone who doesn't really care about the flavor tax text on the cards. It, it was more like gaming and less like play. I, I couldn't picture myself on Mars. I wasn't really interested in what the cards were describing. And then it started to feel like just taking bits off and putting them back on. Mm, uh, I, I don't know. And it could be just my mood that night uh, with the Ukrainian invasion and, and like seeing uh, on TV the streets where I walked with my grandma being bombed and, and depopulated. Um, but But... It, it didn't feel like an escape. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it felt like a chore. Uh, and and I, I hope that that's not a permanent thing, uh, but it's a kind of a mind state I feel I have right now. Gives me insight into what other people uh, may feel and, and why like Paul doesn't like that game. I, I can now see why. Uh, I hope it's not permanent. I, I, hope, I hope so also. I hope it was just... You, your mind was elsewhere or you just weren't feeling it that night or maybe the group chemistry wasn't just like just wasn't bringing it alive to you because I feel like Terraforming Mars is just like a reliably good it's game a banger. to play. Yeah, but, it's always going to be fun. But know? here's the reality. There are so many board games. There are so many board games out. If you're not feeling it, <laughs> pick, you know. Yeah. And play now, play I mean, something Arc else. Nova, I mean, do you think Arc Nova maybe could have had an impact because Arc Nova has been compared many times to terraform Terraforming Mars? So maybe you've seen like maybe something that's like a slightly more evolved Terraforming Mars that now has that, taken that's the shine an off of it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because you have unique cards with interesting pictures and flavor uh, to them. Plus, you have much more interesting mechanisms than just, oh, and now oxygen moves up a percent. <laughs> right. Or and now the temperature rises. Um, it, it it felt very good point, Ben, very linear and and, and not like it, it, like the mechanisms were not twisting together, were not interlocking uh in interesting ways. But but again, uh it's a it's a great game. This is the first time I haven't enjoyed playing it since before Prelude. Wow. You know. the, I mean, the other thing with uh, Terraforming Mars versus Terraforming Mars versus Arc Nova is uh, that I like about Terraforming Mars is that you're building 
things onto the same map. Yeah. Whereas in Ark Nova, it's like, I'm just doing my own zoo, you know? Yeah. I, I like Ark Nova, but like that, I do like that about uh, uh, terraforming Mars a little bit better. I, I actually agree. I mean, I think that like, uh, well, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Ark Nova, and I really, I, I really enjoy Ark Nova. I actually have like Ark Nova f- a hype FOMO because some, like, so many people are over the moon about it. They just love it to death, and I really like it a lot. Like, I have had really fun times playing it. I own it. I have it. But I'm like, God, I wish I had that level of enthusiasm that everyone else. I want to, I'm like jealous. Like, I'm jealous I, I don't have that excitement. I am not, I don't have that excitement for it either. Like, I like it. Um, but I think also, I think that's just my personality a little bit too, where when people all get, oh, this is amazing, this is amazing. I go away. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like... I feel like, like it's like a me issue. Same. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's probably a me like, issue, okay, not a game issue. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole other... But whole I, other I know way. what you mean about, like, having the FOMO of, like, these people who are just so excited and addicted <laughs> I, to this game. Yeah. I'm like... But uh, to, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a really good game, but, you know, and this is my opinion, but I don't know that it's, like... Just, the best just, thing it's just, ever. Yeah, it's not the best thing ever. And after I played it at BGGCon, I was like, I was definitely buzzing. And I'm like, this is really cool. But I immediately, even, you know, at, at that first impression was like, I don't need to own this. Mm. I don't need to own this. I, I'd be happy to play it. Um, but it was, it just didn't, it's not a home run for me personally. Yeah. For me, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, more than the two of you, uh, it's kind of like a best picture, uh, best picture Oscar winner, right? It's not necessarily the greatest movie of all time, but it happens to be the movie that captures everything. The Zeitgeist, eh, unless it completely ignores the Zeitgeist, but we won't talk about those <laughs> embarrassments. But uh, it captures everything, kind of as a package. It, it ties together. Uh, the things that are most exciting uh, about games in at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Now, most of those things may be present elsewhere. Oh, and, that's funny that you should mention that. Yeah, and and today we're going to be reviewing a game that <laughs> yeah. where that has a major mechanism, right? That it pioneered, uh, that Arknova took. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, but. Arc Nova happens to pull together all these different things that we may find elsewhere mm-hmm. right? Uh, into a package that is a complete whole. Yeah. And I love the theme, too. The theme, the too. Theme is great. You know? Yeah, the theme is I, part of the package. Right. It, it's right. like, unique it's a zoo. Theme, it's a unique theme, all these yeah. cool yeah. mechanisms. Um, yep. Candace, any other... Uh, any other game night games that you played that you've the only other thing that really comes to mind is uh red flag over paris um which i just wrote about in bgg news i published an article on friday so maybe well, that'll be- maybe we'll segue then into yeah. the news then Wait, let's <laughs> let's get our little uh news sound effect going yeah tell us tell us everything I'll just, I'll tell you a little bit, but yeah, so (laughs) Red Flag Over Paris is uh, a new game from GMT. It is 
a Twilight Struggle like game um, that is really really cool. I, I'm really I'm really digging it. I'm really excited to play it more. It not only covers a more unique historical topic. I think um, like I was not familiar with it, but it's it's basically uh, portraying this intense confrontation between the Paris Commune and the French government in Versailles back in 1871 that kind of developed after the Franco-Prussian War. And uh, it's a two-player game by design, but it, it also has a solitaire mode where you can kind of play either side. And the both sides, you know, one player is going to be the commune player, uh, which is like kind of the people rising up against the government. And then the other player is the Versailles government. And they play slightly asymmetrically, but it's, it's, it's a game where it's a card driven game, which number one, I love card driven games because I think there's just always so much tension, especially in a two player card driven game, like something like Watergate or Twilight Struggle. Uh, 13 Days is another like kind of Twilight Struggle like game. Yep. But this one just kind of does some things differently, even though it is a, um, very heavily influenced by a Mark Herman game that ma- many people probably don't know about unless you're into like a lot of historical games. But Mark Herman had a game called Fort Sumter. And, uh, so Fred Serval, the designer of Red Flag Over Paris, kind of took that and flipped it on its head a bit and, you know, made this really interesting where again, similar to like Ark Nova taking influences from all these different fun mechanisms from other games. Um, Fred kind of did that with this game. And is it, is it available now or is it coming out soon? Yes. Remind me. It is available now. It, it, I think it delivered to people who did the P500 pre-order in late 2021. Okay. It plays in under an hour and it's just this really, um, again, relatively straightforward, easy to learn game where you're going to be putting out uh, cubes, wooden cubes on a on a board. Um, and the board is divided into a political section. So when you put cubes in that section, that's like your political influence. Mm-hmm. And then there's a military section. Um, when you put cubes there, that's representing your military presence for either side. But then there's this, so you basically play up to three rounds. And then there's this final crisis phase, which kind of is representing um, what is known as the bloody week that happened kind of at the, the culmination of all this tension um, between these two factions historically. Mm-hmm. Um, and like each round you have, you get four cards in your hand, these strategy cards, and you, you only are going to play three to do different things. One of them you're going to stow away for your, for the final crisis. So there's mm-hmm. like so many tough decisions. Then That's you have hard. this, yeah, you have this, an objective card you're going to put down secretly. And there's this whole mind game thing. With your opponent, where you're you're trying to you know be discreet about what you're what's on your objective card, and they're doing the same, but you're trying to figure out what theirs is. Ugh. So it sounds it's it's, re- it's, it's really it's really cool. So people should go check out Candace's article on yes, BGG for, about for it for all the information. <laughs> um, I've got a piece of news, and then I'm going to go, Demetri. You have some stuff that 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 you're going to talk about, which I think will be interesting. But the one piece of news that I found 
is uh, I saw it last night. It was on Polygon. So um, you all know about Prospero Hall, who does like Jaws. They do all Mm -hmm, these like mm -hmm. licensed games, whatever. So their new one that they're coming out with is Rear Window, the board game, like the (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's going to be a board game. uh, Let's see. the, the, The elevator pitch is like Mysterium meets Guess Who. So um, <laughs> we don't know too much about it yet. There are some photos up on this article um, that look pretty cool. It looks like the person who's going to be behind the big screen is actually playing like Alfred Hitchcock. Um, the art is all very kind of like 1950s. Um, and I, I tried to read the, the description to sort of understand what it is. I couldn't quite get it, but I see lots of interesting artwork that is in the Mysterium space. Um I am fascinated. I have to say, I've not really been. Um, I haven't really been totally intrigued by a lot of the, the 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 Prospero Hall games. To be honest, it's not like they've not really hooked me in. But this one actually looks pretty cool. So, um, Dimitri, as as a scholar of film, how do you feel about Rear Window being turned into a board game? <laughs> uh- it makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's very confined uh, to the courtyard and to the two buildings across from each other. Uh, it, it, it's about limited information. And to me, a lot of games are about limited information uh, because for uh, the main character in Rear Window, the Jimmy Stewart character, uh, his whole world is framed in two ways, framed by his window and also framed by the window in the building across the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, it seems like a natural kind of thing to play with limited information and, and also figuring out how to get more information without betraying yourself. Uh, I, I think it's, uh, you know, like all mm-hmm. Jaws, uh, their big hit was about a, a hidden monster. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, right. Also limited information game. Uh, I did not uh, love Jaws, I have to say. I was really, I was, I was disappointed. I thought it was going to be like, everyone said it was going to be super fun. Yeah, I'm surprised. I haven't played it, but I, I just, I, I thought I was hearing a lot of people were. I thought I was like, uh, you know what it was? It was actually a perfect <laughs> example of, of the topic from a few uh, weeks ago, games that Ben would not want to play with his friends, where it was like, <laughs> it, it, it gave me a taste of like a bigger, more exciting game experience, but it didn't quite get me there. And I was like, right. Left you hungry. Left me hungry, like like Jaws himself. It is a snacking <laughs> game rather oh, than a snacking. Uh, uh, an actual meal, yeah. full course <laughs> meal game. Um, Dimitri, so uh, before the podcast, we were before we started recording, you were talking about how you um, you get the newsletter from BGG about what the new releases are, etc. And there were some things that um, that that popped up on your mind uh, that that you wanted to share, which I think will also eventually transition us into games in the brain. I, I just uh, want to give yeah, a nice yes. like segue uh, heads up, you know. <laughs> uh, so at the beginning of the podcast, uh, like almost three years ago, uh, I kept talking about how there were no trial games. There were no like legal themed trial games. And now there is uh, voices in my head. Uh, the take on it, uh, which you're trying to control the voices in the head uh, of a defendant at a criminal <laughs> trial is completely not what I was thinking. Uh, a, a that's game that's an interesting take. Uh, it, it's a take. Uh, right. It might be something worth checking out. 
By the way, I it's funny that you bring this up because just this week I downloaded Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney for my iPhone, which is like this 20-year-old franchise, video game franchise where you play like a lawyer. It's funny that you bring up, you know, a lawyerly game. And uh, and Dimitri, I was going to say, I have a game which I s- still have not played. It's on my shelf of opportunity uh, called High Treason, The Trial of Louis Riel. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a two-player courtroom game and it's it seems really cool, so we should we should we should check, check that, that together. Out. I, I would love to do that. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Mantis Falls uh, seems to be uh, a, a game where uh, people finish a task, uh, contributing cards, some of which may hurt, some of which may help, and there's some random cards. That's a Battlestar Galactica mechanism. Um, so that's a game we play a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and we talk about a lot on the podcast. Uh, it is a mobster-themed game. What I find interesting about it, worth mentioning, is that it's for two to three people. So a social deduction game that's a co-op for two that can be played with two people, one of you may or may not be an informer, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's interesting if, if, if it works. Uh, Probably worth checking out for that reason. Yeah, and it's it's rare to have games like that at lower player counts. Yes, if if they if they hit the bullseye on that, uh, it it will fill a niche. It will fill a real like empty spot. I I think mm-hmm. there there's another game that I had picked up that kind of is a lower player count. Uh, possibly hidden trader game called Houston. We have a dolphin. <laughs> it's okay. it's kind of silly, but like basically you're on some spaceship and somebody's like a, do- a dolphin's on board, and you're trying to figure <laughs> out who it is. But it also plays with like three to five players, and you know works with lower player counts. But that sounds cool. Uh, science fiction writer David Brin has a whole uh, saga about dolphins in space. Oh, really? Well, there yes. you go. <laughs> yes. The whole genre we didn't even know. But Gaia Project is actually based on dolphins colonizing planets. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, so a game called Shinkansen Zero K uh, is interesting because of its theme. It's about the building of the bullet train. Oh. Which I did not know was a project tied into the 1964 Tokyo Olympics. Uh, and oh, it's about Yes, I've heard of this game. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah and cool. you 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 build the track and you also build monuments that that are the stadia and and, and the Olympic uh uh, uh village as a side project. Uh it's Japanese cool. by Japanese designers. Mm-hmm. I I think the art is going to be amazing. And of course, I'm a huge fan of Tokyo Metro, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be in the same ballpark. So that's an exciting game. Uh, Shasen, S-H-A-S-N, from Mimesis Culture Lab, uh, takes uh, a dynamic of flipping political stances uh, that's a major part uh, of uh, Mocker mm-hmm. uh, and makes a more contained game out of that. So that would be interesting for Tom. If yeah. Nobody yeah. else. And, I mean, you said the magic <laughs> words. You said Mocker. That one, I almost they they just had a standalone uh, like sequel kind of expansion uh, for Shasen, and I almost I, I was I almost hit the, pulled the trigger on backing it. Uh, 
But I think, I don't know if it was too long. It's kind of got a party game vibe to it, too, is what I hear. But it does look really, sound really interesting. Yeah, it's like Mocker that you can finish in one night, and maybe Tom is not going to win. <laughs> right? <laughs> no shade. <laughs> yeah, and, and finally, Tales from the Loop, the board game. Oh. Um, and that is something that we don't tend to like, because we're all writers, and we don't like story games. But it seems charming. It's kind of Nordic. It's kids in the 80s in some kind of alternate reality, but not really monsters. So it has a kind of let the right one in. Yeah. Uh, kind like of. Stranger Things kind stranger of. Stranger Things yeah. kind of vibe. Of navigator. What's interesting to me is that I remember seeing Back to the Future on opening night. Mm -hmm. uh, in the theater and being like really blown away. And that was like 80s nostalgia for the 50s. Right. Now, of, of several like generations later. 30 years we, behind, we always are going looking back. That's right. We, we've come, <laughs> kind of come full circle and now we're going to travel back in time to watch Back to the Future. To go back to the, the 50s. 50s. So it'll be an infinite loop. This is Tales from the Loop. Uh, and it already has like three or four expansions. Uh, it's a story game. It has modules, and you're supposed to solve it. And yeah, right. I think I think that one started as a, it was an RPG that was kind of based on the. Is it a TV show? It's a TV show, also, and I think it was all like kind of built upon uh, this a Swedish artist. I believe I don't remember or Norwegian or yeah like, Scandinavian. We'll say of, we yeah. can't tell them apart. For, for further information, <laughs> please see the internet. Tales from the Loop. Yeah, we are thrown for a loop on that one. So, with that being said, well, it seems almost Dimitri like one could say all those games are perhaps on your brain. Uh, they are, but the game that's really on my brain. Well, I was I was gonna play the jingle right then. I hope you play the right version. Is this the right one? You can talk over it. It's okay. <laughs> I like the smoother, more polished version, uh, but I'm the, I think I'm the only one. I like the raw emotion of of just this a single vocalist just plaintively calling out for the games on his brain. Oh yeah. Um. So, uh, but I'm sorry. I did. You were about to say a uh, game on your brain, Dimitri. Uh, yes. Uh, it, it's Tichu on uh, <laughs> the GA, of course. Surprise! Surprise! Uh, yeah. Yeah. I keep. I keep playing it. I'm 12th uh, now. I've moved up in rank. Good for you. Uh, w w one of the things, like, observing myself playing the game as the philosophical gamer that I am. Yes. I, I think I finally crossed the border from a good bad player to a bad good player. Which oh, is nice. congratulations. Nice. That Paul and Trey discussed uh, in, in, in uh, Terra Mystica. Uh, uh, and I, I, I think, again, for me... Uh, I feel that I've consolidated enough strategy. So now a lot of it is unconscious and, and feels yeah. like intuition. Uh, and things that you've consolidated into your unconscious are effortless. You, mm -hmm. You're not expending mental energy. Mm -hmm. You just have an intuition that tells you, oh, this is a situation where I should do this. Mm. Uh, and to me, it's... Uh, an illustration of, oh, this is what flow is. Uh, it, it's a lot of card players, like in poker, feel like the game comes to them. Mm -hmm. Like that, 
they get into a flow. The cards are coming their way. They kind of know how to how to deal with them. Uh, and I'm experiencing that now. You're seeing the matrix. I'm kind of <laughs> seeing the, the matrix. matrix. <laughs> I, I'm kind Lots of, of seeing. The, I, I mean, I'm not amazing. I'm not incredible, but I, you've I have kung stretches. Fu, but you've learned kung fu. I have stretches where I some. win like nine or ten games in a row, which is what you need That's to good. do. You know, but one of the things that it like demonstrates to me uh, there are things out in the world that are hidden. The cards are hidden from you in, in your in your in the other player's hands. The cards in the deck, the cards that are coming are hidden from you. This chance, right? But your unconscious is also hidden from you. So it's very easy to put yourself into a state where you get confused and you think that the, your unconscious is somehow magically affecting the cards and mm. you're drawing the card that you need. Yes, simply because you are, you are. You are. You have your your mind is very powerful, Dimitri. Well, I don't actually believe that, but mm -hmm. I do believe that because my unconscious is hidden from me, just like the outside world, elements of the outside world are hidden from me. For my mind to confuse the two in in moments it's of called so using the power of the secret dimitri you use oh, the secret yeah. you use the yeah. secret to get your cards and teach you i am magic you are magic <laughs> we all, we all, man i always do that we secret parking spaces like uh -huh. I, there's going to be a parking space right there but i think what it really is is that dimitri took the blue pill he took the blue pill mhm mm yep, yep he did so now, teach, you, said, teach you matrix Candace, uh, yeah go, uh, Candace. but my last partner said oh it's fun to play with you Oh, that see, that's nice. Cool. Um, uh, Candace, anything on your brain? Yes, actually, um, there's a game called Enemy Action Arden, and it is a Battle of the Bulge uh, heavy war game. Um, and basically, I just, so if you guys come over to my house in the next couple of weeks, you'll see that I put my solo slash war game table up because I have this, like, it's very kind of meditative and relaxing for me. Like, I love learning these games and mm -hmm. taking my time kind of going through them. So I decided to set the table back up. And at first, it's really funny. I picked up this uh, solo Vikings game that I was gonna, like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play this. It's a small game. I'll learn it quickly, play it a couple times. And it sat there overnight, and I'm like, no, I want something a little more you, epic. I want to, like, really sink my teeth into something. So I put, I pulled out Enemy Action Ardennes, and I know it's it's completely over my head. No, I'm it's just not. Gonna <laughs> it's not over your head. You I'm just going to take my time, take your time learning it. You know, I set it up, and I'm just, I'm already really excited because now, you know, I'll spend a couple minutes each day and just take, take a, a turn, read mm -hmm. a little bit, learn a little bit. Um, so yeah, so I'm really, really excited to, I, I think it's probably going to be up for a month. <laughs> you know, a, uh, a famous musician once said, baby, you can do it. Take your time. Do it right. <laughs> do it right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what I, I mean, honestly, whenever I hear that song, I always think enemy action or den. <laughs> <laughs> the other really cool thing I want to mention about this game is that it's really kind of like three games in one. So there's a two player map and rule book. Uh, where one person plays Germans, one person plays Allied side. But then there's also, there are 
There's a German solo map and a whole rule book on how to play the German side. Um, and then there's a allied side too. So they're like three games in one. Mm. It's a really fascinating system already from what I've just seen in videos. So I'm just really excited. Sounds to like dig a very, in. a very fun journey. Um, now a game that's on my brain, although I, I feel like it was incepted into my brain by one of my two co-hosts and I'm not going to say her name, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, uh, but it was also, it put it in my brain because also it's little baby brother version came into my life and that's arc right so yeah. uh this actually should have been in games like game night but i, I did get to finally play arc right the card game um which i believe trey and i will be reviewing in a few weeks cool. um so i won't go in too much about what that experience was like but needless to say you know arc right is one of my all-time favorite games and candace i know you haven't ever played it i have not and we have been talking about it and i actually just scored a copy of it mm -hmm. with this fancy insert and i've just been obsessed with the i'm so excited to play it like i've I'm, been watching videos and i'm just happy because it's been sort of a, a year i feel like or more of me being like you know i love arc ride i love arc ride you're like yeah cool we should play it but like <laughs> recently the past like two weeks all of a sudden it got it into your brain, up. and I'm like, yes, it's in, it's in there. It's in the, It got, it got so put into. So it's gonna happen soon. <laughs> so I'm like, happen. yes, it's like Candace is ready for it. I am so ex playing the card game. It's very fun, but it makes me want to go play Big Daddy Arcade. It's an appetizer. Uh, yeah, and so um, excited to report. I, I'm excited to talk about the card game, um, uh, but I'm also excited to revisit all everything that is Arcade right now. So that's very much on my brain. And the last thing of note that's on my brain is I woke up this morning with uh, an email from Board Game Bliss, which is a retailer, and they have the new Ginkop. Well, it's not the new; they have the re-release of the Ginkopolis expansion. I didn't realize it was out that they had reprinted it. It had been out for Ooh. so well, it was like a Grail expansion. I mean, Ginkopolis itself was a Grail game, and now there's this Grail expansion. And uh, I'm like, do I get the expansion? Do I not? Shall be a completist? I'm not sure. So I'm going to do some research. But you're looking at me look like... I'm about to order it right now. Okay. Well, maybe <laughs> I will do that. Okay. I'm, so anyway. I didn't know they... Yeah. I didn't know I they didn't know. reprinted the up. expansion because I got the reprint of Ginkopolis, which yeah. is oh, so good. And uh, so, I really liked it. You brought it uh, yeah, to game night. And we kind of lost track of it, I think, because it, there was a... Barrage yeah, gonna, of different games. We were uh, going to review uh, it like last year when it came out, and it sort of just got pushed. But we'll, we should put it back on the list because it's a that's a fascinating game, and it is out again. And, yeah, and so now people, people can, play can it, actually so. get it. Yeah. But the um, yeah, so this that's sort of a combination of on my brain and the news, which is that that expansion is. Back. And you like those city building games? You know, I love a city building game. Actually, that the game that's spot. really on my mind is Forged in Steel, which is right behind Candace over there. <sighs> Which is I, this, I need to play that. Too. I know I haven't played it. It's this. It was this limited release game from like five years ago. City building where you're building the city of Pueblo, and it's car driven, but you're also building in little structures and this and that. It's like area control. It's a whole. I don't know. It's either going to be really you're saying like, all the right things. I know it's either going to be a, a wonderful hidden gem or a well, maybe there's a reason why it didn't catch on. So we're going to find out one way or another. You know. So that being said. I mean, I have many more games on my brain at all times, but those are the ones that are the most pressing. Those are at the front of my brain. And uh, with that being said, let's move on to our review. Speaking of 
sort of city building, civilization building. Mm. Not a great segue. <laughs> it could it could use work. Building cities. We're going to talk about Civilization A New Dawn with the Terra Incognita expansion. And it's important we're really we're really reviewing that full package, not the base game here. Um it's published by Fantasy Flight Games. The designer is James Kniffen or Niffen, uh you may know from being one of the designers on Forbidden Stars, one another top five game for me. I think I've got 10 games in my top five. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and, and then the expansion is uh, designed by Tony Fanchi. Uh, art is Anders Finney. I'm so sorry, Anders. Anders Finney or Anders Finer, but I'm going to say Finney because there's a little excellent aigu. And uh, Michael Silsby uh, plays two to five players with the expansion. If you're doing the base game, it's only two to four players. And the base game weight is 3.08, but with the expansion, it's 3.62. And I mean, basically what it's about, it's a civilization game. It's actually a very easy pitch, right? You're building, you're, everyone has civilizations. It's, it's, it's roots are in the civilization video game. Everyone plays a civilization. You're trying to expand your civilization. Military, technology, trade, culture. All that good stuff, yeah. right? This is like this is not this is nothing new. Doesn't mean I'm not saying that in a, in a bad way, but like that's what it's about. It's a civilization. We have a, we have we have tiles of land sprawl out on the land, and you know whoever like you whoever's the best civilization is is also the best human being probably also in the game. So yeah, you know, uh, Tom was walking past us uh, <laughs> when we were playing it. He said, "Oh, you guys are reviewing one of seven new civilization games." <laughs> uh, and, and, and thank you, Tom, uh, and, and, and for, for that uh, voice of support. Uh, I, I do want to say that the civilization games that we play at Game Brain uh, Nations uh, and, and um, through the ages, primarily, are very crunchy, very heavy, and do not include a map. No map. Do not mm. include mm-hmm. a board. And and this, uh, the game that I played personally that did include a board, uh, Tapestry, was very fancy and polished, but didn't feel much like, like a game of major decisions. Mm. To me, it felt more like a game that told you a story about your civilization. Not quite a Ferrari game is what you're saying. Not quite a Ferrari <laughs> game. This, thank you for the preview. <laughs> uh, more like a souped up But Exactly. <laughs> yes. very, very nice coaching uh, horses. Uh, Pontiac. Uh, Pontiac. Uh, Pontiac the, the, oh, Pontiac Aztec. That's not... Well, I don't no, even Pontiac, know what that is. You know what? Your uh, life you don't is better know. for you it. Don't your life is better for it. Trust me, it's, it's like the gremlin, the AMG gremlin. <laughs> uh, but what I also want to say about those three games is that they're very tech tree dependent, uh, both uh, uh, nations and, and through the ages and, and uh, tapestry are all about the tech tree and moving up the tech tree and, and getting powers from the tech tree. Like the best thing ever. I agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in Civilizations, uh, A New Dawn, uh, the tech tree is really... In the- uh, I, I actually want to stop you just for one moment, just because I want to... I want to Everything that you're saying, I want to talk about. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to just stop you. I'm just saying, like, pause. I'm pressing pause on that because one thing that I would I'd like to was actually a, a really interesting idea by you is before we even get into what the game is about, is that we let's talk about what we 
what our expectations were going into this gaming experience. You know, as we open up, the, we know it's a civilization game. As we we have this box, we 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 look at everything in there. We we have some idea. What were you expecting out of out of Civilization: A New Dawn? Uh, based on the games that I played in the genre, I was expecting something with a tech tree front and center Mm -hmm. uh, and something where the map is going to be either not present at all or at best an afterthought. Was there any sort of, were there any sort of like emotional expectations or like gameplay expectations or like what you thought the arc of the evening was going to be going into this game? I expected to be attacked. <laughs> oh, the uh, m- m- militarily, uh, and 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 I also expected that there would be like a, a prelude phase, a prologue phase, where I would uh, do things on my own, and at a certain point we would grow, our civilizations would mushroom, and we would start to uh, compete more directly and war with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, much more. And how about you, Candace? What what were your expectations of this game well, going into it? You know, I was going to ask you, Ben, you're because oh. because I'm the person who suggested that we review this game right. uh, because I I played it last year for the first time with the Terra Incognita expansion. So I've never actually played this game just base game, and I ended up I was at a convention. And I ended up kind of like a little like not really following exactly how things were working when I first played it, but then ended up had my mind buzzing after. Mm -hmm. And um, I had actually had a copy of it in shrink in the garage that I was like, I'm going to sell. I'm not ever going to get around to playing just the base game. And I that night I ended up buying the expansion, buying an Etsy insert for it and being really excited about it. And then I played it again. So I came into this having some experience with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like what my expectations were when I initially played it. Yeah. Like what, like what, what drew you to this game initially? Like what made you want to even the buy it? The action shrink? selection with the card row. I thought mm-hmm. that that was a really c- cool concept. And it seemed also like a, just a, a, "Quote unquote lighter civilization game mm-hmm. that you could just play in a night. Yeah, you know, not not anything that was super long. What yeah. about you? I um, so this is a, this had been a game that I've been following for a while. Um, the card selection that you mentioned, we're going to get into it, but um, it's we see it in Arc Nova. Um, but regardless, if you know nothing about the card selection, just know that it has the game was touted for having a way of choosing your actions that was brand new and and it was a huge selling point for the game so i thought that seemed like an interesting thing um and i love civilization games in the sense i do love the sense of building and growth and feeling like you are making a civilization i i am like i love uh, like a sim city sim city is not a civilization g- game but it is that sense of growth and you're as you are you're planting seeds all over and it sort of grows and, and like all these fun things happen and technology opens up and you can do, and you can do so much. And I think I just really enjoy that arc. And I think I was, I'm look coming into the game. I was looking forward to that feeling. And I think Dimitri, your point about a map is a salient one because the games that I'm most used to playing civilization, like civilization games in board gaming that I've, I am used to playing are abstracted like through the ages and nations. And I was really excited to have a map and 
kind of like uh, fulfill that promise of of like seeing a civilization sort of like grow before my eyes Exploring on the table. You know, cities growing, cities growing, expansion. Um, like those are some elements that I do miss on those other games. So that was going into the game. I I was excited for that and the crunchy decisions coming out of the main the main uh, mechanism. So let's talk about how the, let's talk about first the visuals of this game and the components, the presentation. Um, Candice, how was I didn't use I didn't see the rule book. How is the rule book for you? Um, well, you know, there are two rule books, one for the base game and one for the expansion. I think the rule books are pretty good. They, mm-hmm. you know, they have everything you need. Um, there are some rules that are kind of fidgety, uh, or hard, not sticky as is that, right. that's how you say it, right? But, like, ben? but the act of, but the act of like learning the game from the rule book was, was not difficult. You felt like you could read the rule book and then like, start I playing. did not learn the game from the rule book. Okay. I was taught the game. Then I learned it. And I also just watched some videos. So I can't really speak to how it would be if you were buying it brand new and mm. setting it up and, you but know. But things are organized well in the, in things, the rule book. I think things are organized pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Um, one issue, so I didn't have the access to the rule book, but one issue that I have is that I wish there were uh, player aids. Yeah. There are no, there are no player aids. Like the player uh, aids there, you have are printed out, right? There are kind of player aids that like, Tell you what the various uh, districts are and yeah. some of the actions, uh, yeah. but there's yeah. not a player aid that encompasses like here's what your turn is going to be like, mm-hmm. right? Um, and like well, a step by step. And, and, and your your, your turn is really simple because the cart you're just picking a card and doing what the card says, and that it's on there. But it's like some of the other things, like how does combat work or. How did the when barbarians move? Yeah, like the, there's definitely the, needs a player aid, and you know I would say you should definitely if you're gonna play it, print one out from BGG. There yeah, are a couple good ones out. Yeah, there. It, it it frustrates me because I also feel like Fantasy Flight games they're known for like components and minis and all sorts of stuff, and I feel like why not throw in a some player aids for everyone yeah. to make the process smoother. Uh, that that really bothered me uh, just because that wasn't like a huge bother. But again, there were enough moments where we had to stop everything. Jump in the rule book. look up like, oh, how do, barbarians, how do they spawn? Oh, when you explore, like, can you keep moving? Do you have to stop? Can you do this, that? Like, and you get trade. Some things you get when you trade, you get this much. When you kill a barbarian, you get that much. Like enough stuff that, there needed to be just something on the table. Yeah, and it's always just refer to. Yeah, and it, you're right. There, they the rules aren't sticky because even though we we ask once, you know, we we probably had to peek through the rule book to very to confirm things multiple times, the same things because it just you don't automatically remember some things like something so simple as uh when the barbarian moves and encounters an obstacle uh or encounters uh, a a city that's uh fortified it bounces back Mm -hmm. right but sometimes it doesn't the the bounce (laughs) the bounce back is not yes we should mention there are barbarians in this game by the way yes yes Uh, but no one plays the barbarians. Yeah, they're kind of an automa. They just sort of move uh, around. You can't choose to be the barbarians who are going to destroy civilizations, which would be, <laughs> right. uh, for some of us, would be the preferred Great, option. Like asymmetric. Uh, yeah. So, so there's so many edge, edge cases. Uh, 
that actually are thought through. The edge cases balance the game really nicely. It'd be nice, but not intuitively. Not right. intuitively. I, I agree. And, you know, you mentioned, so, you know, we, we, we keep mentioning there's this card system, but like part of their card system, as you mentioned, is, you know, when you do your action, you choose a card. Uh, it does tell you what you do on your turn, but first of all, the cards are very small and the text is small and light. And, the text on the card just sort of keeps on growing because as you upgrade your cards, at first it says, like, you can move your military three spots. Then it's like, you can move your military four spots and also over this, this and that. And, and you that. can do that and that. And so it starts becoming like this paragraph of small text and you sit there and you're like, you're looking at it like, huh. And <laughs> I, I, I don't find the text small on the actual action cards, but yes, I agree that it's kind of not great that they just keep growing into bigger, par- <laughs> like, I don't want to look at all these words on a card, but the wonder cards are, yes. are really small and everybody needs to be able to see them on the table because these- there are objectives that are specific to the time like there are three time periods of the wonders ancient medieval and modern warfare and you're like is that uh, an- it's, yeah. I want to say that instead of having a tech tree that's always for me kind of boring to look at and kind of square uh, the functions of a tech tree in this game are really nicely distributed among your action selection cards mm-hmm. that you can upgrade right. in, in a way that actually does feel intuitive and interesting yeah and you can see how it will help you Mm -hmm. and you can actually choose which cards to upgrade based on your board position and your strategy and and also the wonders uh the wonders are kind of a tech tree sort of distributed thing um that you can also yeah, choose right. and you can also intuitively see how do they fit into my plan. Yeah. And yeah. One Customize. Of the, yep. One of the cool things. You can, we should mention, you can in this game, you can build wonders in your civilization and that's what we're talking about. And the wonders are represented by cards and like a little market. And so that's that's what we're talking about. With but a special go, ability. Yep. A special ability. So yes. go on. So uh, one, of the, uh, one of the strengths of a system like this is in a tech tree, you may need to go through a couple of steps that are irrelevant to you in order to get to something that you really want. Or you can also find that one whole branch of a tech tree is useless, but maybe useful down the road. Mm-hmm. Here, because everything is distributed and everything is fluid, there's a much, not only a much more direct link between your actions and your heightened powers, you immediately see the effect. But it's also much more of your choice Mm -hmm. what to upgrade. You're not penalizing for going, you're not penalized for going up only one of the tracks because it's your choice of what to upgrade. Right. So, I mean, and just going back to the presentation for one second, that the idea is, I mean, the wonders the wonders felt very important to me in this game in a way that sometimes they don't always feel as important sometimes in other civilization games when the when a wonder comes out it's like ooh that would be a good one that that would be, that would help and you get that feeling here but i felt like the wonders felt really important in this game which is mm-hmm. good i'm not complaining about that or anything like that but given that they are so important and given that they are so central actually to a lot of the goals in the game the fact that they are these tiny little cards yeah. i mean when you talk about when you 
They're dog tag size. They, you're like you're <laughs> legitimately correct, and they are like and 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 like there. It's it's literally like the small font at the bottom of like a commercial for an allergy medicine, where it's like, by the way, this may kill you, and like that's it's like so. It's yeah, you're you squinting. need to be able to see it across the table you wherever do, they're sitting. It's it's really hard, and on top of that, um, like you said, there's three ages yeah. of of wonders and like things. The, the age of the wonder can matter towards the goals. We didn't talk about, but the way you win yes. this game is that there are like uh, several public goals. sort of five, like- five objective cards that are out. Right. And you have to, to win the game, complete at least one objective on four different cards. Exactly. And so a lot of those objectives pertain to these wonders. So you're, there may be something like have two wonders from the same era or maybe a wonder from each era or something like that. Right. And or the same these, type of wonder, two of the same type. Of and wonder. these wonders come out, and you've got a big table, and there's on one side, one area of the table, and not only can you not read what's going on, and there's no iconography that you, so you can sort of gaze on it from afar to sort of get it. You can't even tell what age it's from because they don't like color code them in any sort of way, and it's a it's a minor quibble. This is not anything yeah. that ruins the game, <laughs> but it's also. It's sort of representative to me of some of like the ways in which the component quality can actually get in the way of a game experience. Because like it's you know components are more than just like oh making sure the theme is really good. It's it's about like ease of play, like functional, player aids, player aids, and being able to read these cards lets you sort of be in the game and be present as opposed to be like what does that say again? What can you remind what that says? What does that say? Th- this is a very language dependent game. And, and and there are many games that are not language dependent at all, and we're kind of used to that. We, we're kind of we. I feel coddled. I I, I feel mm-hmm. like this such excellent visual design and such excellent iconography, like in Arc Nova, for example, that you can almost like absorb what's happening with with without needing to focus, without needing to get up and squint. Yeah. Um. And and. and there's a lot of squinting in this game. Yeah. Now, I want to say that there's also a lot of variability in oh, this yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, uh, I don't feel like there's any text on any of these cards that's useless. Uh, it, True. It, 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 it's all important. But because it's all important. You're like reading it. Exactly. <laughs> You're exactly. like really reading it. And, it, and it's... Uh, uh, but that being said, I think that a lot of the components are very lovely. I think the map is very nice. It feels lush, and you can tell the difference. There's no issues with the terrains. This is sort of yeah, game the where terrains like terrains look great. You know, the, it's you a modular the, map. We should it's say a modular yes. map, which that is that's fun. another thing that that makes it interesting oh, and yeah. different. Uh, that you can explore areas like you do in the Gaia project, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and add things, and you, you you can choose to head into the center uh, like you would in the Eclipse, mm-hmm. or uh, to explore the periphery and maybe find resources or even cities. Uh, yeah. uh, and and it's uh, it gives you a lot of choices. Uh, a modular map is something I never expect in a civilization game. I, I like that. I like I like that there. I like that yeah. there's a map, and I you know the a lot of the art throughout the game is is fun and and light. Um, I only have one other quibble. This is a this is a quibble, not really a criticism, but it's a quibble though. 
my quibble is that one thing in this game that you do is that you put out control tokens, uh, which are little cardboard discs. And you put them out on various terrain that is like around you. And that represents that you control that terrain. Uh, but it also, it kind of also represents a little bit of like military presence, right? Because if like an opponent tries, Defense, to, yep. yeah, tries to move through them, they're gonna, it's going to start a battle, right? And my quibble, the official quibble, is that I would have liked those, believe it or not, I would have liked those to be like little tiny mini minis, little tiny flags. Uh. And the reason why is because, first of all, you can sort of forget that there's that that's like military or whatever. But I also, I kind of have like an ex- talk about expectations. Fancy flight games, like their whole thing, they do so many minis. Minis, and I understand a hundred percent that raises the price of this, and they probably did not want to raise the price. But I kind of feel like it would have contributed to a sense of civilization building if you had like these are my sort of like little troops that are like establishing presence, as right. opposed to sort of this abstract Tokens circle just, that yeah. just sort of goes around. So like, you know, when we play Twilight Imperium, as you see that plastic kind of like grow on the yeah. board, there's oh, like yeah. a sense of like growth and impending doom. And the control tokens are definitely way more abstracted. Yeah. yeah. yeah there are plastic cities, which yeah. I think look very nice, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Uh, there are districts, which are... Yeah. Similar to the control kind of tokens. Neighborhood. And that's They're from the too expansion. similar. They're too similar to the control tokens. You have plastic cities and then you have you're absolutely like that. Two different bits of cardboard that are very similar uh in, in terms of how they feel and what they look like. One of them is round, one of them is pentagonal or something like that. Hexagonal, but that is by design because they function similarly to the control tokens. So I think right. that's by design that they wanted them to look similar because in most cases for the gameplay it means the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you that little layer of uh defense too. Yeah. I disagree with that uh, and, 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 and uh, this is like I, I, I hate to disagree with you about anything it's a podcast, oh, it's, a podcast. it's allowed it's for, allowed no not with me though <laughs> okay, right. not with you for, for, for me those were functionally very different Be, because because the districts were actually did they stuff do more stuff do yeah. stuff uh, they they manufacture things mm-hmm. but maybe i'm way too much into the theme of this yeah. I, but i didn't personally have a I have an issue with it but i don't does but i think that your criticism i think i think that's i think it's a valid point to and make. i also it's, think that since districts are part of the expansion mm-hmm. uh and and the influence tokens are part of the original game they better be different because then yeah. why put them, yes, why put them in the expansion? <laughs> <Just like, laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know what you mean, and yet, yeah, they they they're more special and they function differently. But they also, I th- I think that's the that was the reason is because it's like it's very similar concept to the control token, which again maybe they do both. They give mm-hmm. Ben his flags or his military people yeah. with flags and. Also, it's, do something a little more special for them. Yeah, um, it's but for me, it, it, yeah, for, it, 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 it would definitely get you more into the theme of like I'm building I my think civilization. It, helps, it would help bring some life, a little and bit it, more life. It, in. That personally does not bother me. Though, yeah, like that, I said, for I me, it was that. more of a quibble. I, I like to, I like to make, I like to get my quibbles out there sometimes. You know, I, I wanted to jump back to the uh, variability in the game. 
um, with the modular map. I think the modular map with the objectives, because you have a, a deck of objective cards. So each game is going to be wildly different depending 100%. on what objective cards come out. And I think that, and then also depending on which, which, which leader, leader you, you have, have et cetera. And I love that. Like, I love how that mixes up the game and it's like, oh, you yeah, know. Last night's game was felt like different. a completely different game. So why don't yes, we? Yes, and. I, yes, I, oh, I wanna, yes. I want to add, add, add down to that that the obje- the variable objectives also make this game more compact. I- you know, if you pursue the objectives, which I <laughs> didn't <laughs> so I much, did well. uh, I got, got schooled, got schooled by Paul, yeah. who actually very singularly, in terms of like blinkers on, uh, uh, pursued those objectives and won uh, when like he had a good flop. Also, he, he had a good he, flop he of the map a, pieces, and that's something to but note. But he also composed the map mm-hmm. uh, himself and explored the map and put it together in a way that was directed towards the objectives. When those objectives, they, they, they turned the game into a race. And yeah. it's a race that can be run multiple times with very different courses and different outcomes. But it's also genuinely a two to three hour game. I believe, right. which yeah. for a civilization so, game is quite an achievement. Uh, when, when Tapestry came out, it was hailed as all oh, the golden grail, the two-hour civilization game. True, took a lot of the game out of it. This is much more sandboxy, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. much more genuinely like crunchy decisions and, and, and weighing uh, what what you're going to do oh, yeah. and tra- making trade-offs and, and being interactive. But it's also two to three hours. It yeah. is an well, evening game, not, so, not so a that, day game. So that being said, let's now actually talk about some of this gameplay. We've been sort of flirting with it. Now <laughs> let's talk about it. I got my quibbles out about the presentation. We let We have to talk about the card system. And uh, because there will, there may be people who have never played Ark Nova, uh, but Ark Nova's big thing, as we mentioned before, Ark Nova, I would say, has started the process of popularizing the system. But I believe the first time we ever saw it was here in this game. And this is the card action selection. Candace, could you tell us how this works? Sure, Ben. So, yeah, so every player has their own like this cardboard board that cardboard board well <laughs> this thin cardboard strip that's called your focus row and your focus row has a certain amount of slots i think it's slots for six cards and it starts with two one slots then a two then a three then a four then a five and the one slots are plains which is the simplest terrain to move through then it goes to hills then it goes to forest to desert to mountain and basically Everybody is going to set up a their focus cards and you start the game with your level one and here's where the tech tree comes in. You start with level one versions of each of these different types of focus cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and each player will kind of set up differently based on whichever leader you have, whichever faction, civilization you, you are playing for the game. But you have a row of cards in front of you. And on your turn, you're basically just going to pick one card in your focus row. You're going to slide it down and you're going to do what the card says. And then after you take the action, that card's going to slide back down to the very first slot and everything else shifts right. And where, depending on where your card is in the focus row, 
Um, that's kind of the strength, the level of which you can take the action. So if you were like, for example, doing the card, the masonry card, which uh, I forget war. what the, the military yeah, type move your card. Military around. Yeah, you like if it's in the let's say the desert slot, slot four. That means your military can move on desert terrain or anything that's uh, lesser mm-hmm. than desert terrain, but it could not move on mountain terrain unless you wait until that gets to the mountain card slot. Yeah. And then like for your, you know, the science card, your science focus card, depending on what slot it is, that is how many spaces you'll be able to increase your tech dial, which is going to let you in, uh, improve your cards and, you know, put level two cards out, level mm-hmm. three cards and level four cards. Sort of like at its base, like the longer you wait to do an action, usually it's it's going to get stronger and stronger because everything's on a conveyor belt. And the moment you use something, you take it off the conveyor belt and put it back at the front and everything slides forward. So, and in this game, what we see is that a lot of it is tied to that terrain of the map, which I really appreciate. I think it's, it's a, that's a really good integration of a system with a map. Like you can do this action, but like to, like the stronger the action is, the more rigorous terrain you can do it on. So that makes it better for sending caravans across the landscape to go trade with other cities or sending your military, like you said, across various terrain or building cities or placing in certain places. Terrain to, yeah. So um, I like... I pers- I think this is a it's a wonderful mechanic. Like I, I think we're seeing people discovering it in Arc Nova and I think... Um, it's really put to use in a, in a very fun way here. Like I, I, I think the decisions that this me- this mechanic inherently presents to you are they're just great. I mean, like you, you there's things you just want to do so badly, and then you can't, and then it's like you gotta oh, wait till it gets stronger. Maybe you gotta I do let it that- mediocre now, so that way I don't have to wait as long to do the really strong action later. You know. And, and yeah. by the way, there are ways to make the cards more powerful. Exactly. You can oh, yes. add trade goods to them. You can add a government type to increase increase the strength. You can upgrade them, right? Uh, in the tech tree, uh, two, two levels, two, three, and four. Uh, so there are ways to deal with it. It doesn't feel oppressive. It doesn't feel like you're. Uh, f- it's forcing you to do something. Right. It's, you actually are empowered to manipulate it and, uh, in and, a way, and, and it's fun to play with it. Yes. It's fun so, and you're, it you're, is fun. It is yeah, play. It is so fun, and you're constantly struggling with. I really need to do this, but you know, I might need to wait until that gets to this slot. Yes. So maybe I'll do this instead. And what I appreciate about the system is also the turns are really quick in most cases. Like in if most you know <laughs> if, if, if you know what you're doing, especially if it's like, oh, I'm just increasing, I'm playing my science card, it's like, cool, I do it, I'm doing it, you start your turn. It's like boom, boom, boom. Um, and the way the, the, the round structure is everybody d- plays one action card and, you know, does the whole cycling of their focus row. And then there is an event and, you know, there's an event dial where some, something's going to happen. Move. Yeah. I, um, one sort of like fun aspect of this system is that like a lot of times I get into this like mode where there's like two or three things I need to do in a sequence. And a lot of times I have to do fire a card like two times in a row, but I'm like really focused on a few different actions. And you're so focused on that, that like you don't realize that some other card has quietly like scooted its way all the way to the top. And you're like, <laughs> Oh my God, my technology at five. Like you're like, you have like these moments of excitement, you know? And then there's also like moments of like sadness. And you're like, Oh, 
Oh, that's masonry still down there. <laughs> uh, or masonry is still in the mountains, but I don't need to use yeah. my yeah. military. So do I just oh. use it so I get the other card up? But that to feels the like a waste. Yeah, like that's that's. Were there any moments, Dimitri, where you felt like? like you felt like you were just being bestowed with lots of gifts or by the system or like were there moments where you were like why why <laughs> like this both. is torture both and that's the beauty of it that sometimes it's helping you sometimes it's working against you and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's up to you to kind of manipulate it in a way that you can actually line up four or five actions ahead Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that will, uh, where the position on uh, on the focus tree will optimize each of those actions, and mm -hmm. of course, then Ben will do something on my third <laughs> term that I will like, absolutely to need to, to react yeah. to. So yes. my plan goes out the window, but in a fun way. It, it, yes. It's not like I'm push uh, rolling a rock up a hill. I'm kind of like trying to deal with interesting things and deal with other players' actions, uh, deal with uh, uh, meeting the objectives, uh, deal with uh, the wonders, the new wonders that come up. Uh, and even the events, the, ran the not random events that happen, you can kind of anticipate them. You can say, oh, districts are going to produce this round, mm -hmm. uh, this following round. I better build a district, but my district card is really weak. Mm -hmm. uh, right. <laughs> that's an interesting decision. Do you, yes, do you build a suboptimal district or, or do you do something that's and more optimal? You're constantly doing that. Yeah. You're constantly, and I like with this system that it's it's really not smart gameplay unless it's a specific situation to just like flog a certain card because you might you flog it once great at like a high value but now it's going to be stuck at the bottom and then the more you flog something that's a low value the less other actions move up because if you're just taking the card that's in the first spot and putting it back in the first spot nothing else is getting better so like it forces you to say okay now like what can I do to help move this along? And what what a thing like what move the 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 cue along? And right. wh how do I sequence this? And you're co there's you're constantly having to do little sequences. You know, like you need a wonder. So for a wonder, you need a city. Well, we start we we'll start with a capital city. <laughs> right. Every wonder has to be linked to a city. So you start with a capital city, but then to build a future city, you have to put control tokens down. And to, then to placement rules with that. There's city placement too. rules. There's like a. Does it do you have to do X? It's in a weird way. It reminds me of brass and some of those rules of like, oh, if you want to build this kind of thing, you have to have a link and to the, don't have the link, but you can only have the link <laughs> if you do this and that. In a fun way. And I, I think yes, totally. I I think that it's very much whoever can do these things most efficiently is going like it's a it's a racing game yeah. and i have had the past two games i've played of this i am always at the end when someone triggers it and wins i'm like ugh. I just needed one more turn. One more turn. One more turn, and I could have probably popped two objectives in once. And I'm, you know, so you're like really just racing to complete these objectives faster than your opponents. Yes. Which gives me really is one of the reasons this game gives me Twilight Imperium vibes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the whole thing where you're you're exploring, you're building your civilization, you're making your text, you're improving your civilization. 
and you're racing to complete these objectives yeah. before how other long people. Do you, how long do you sort of like nurture your civilization, tech it up and everything and versus when you actually start like pouncing on things? Yeah, and a tipping point. A this tipping is point. A, right. a, it's wonderful to have a racing game with a tipping point but, where uh, you feel like you can, again, prepare, but then you have to take off. And, and when you take off... You take off with what you've built. You um, you don't have to take off. For instance, last night, I made the bold move of not taking off at all and <laughs> not getting any objectives and losing terribly. <laughs> I was so bad. But well, to we be fair... Well, we were set back. We were we both set, set well, back. So I, one thing that happened to me last night, and this is going to segue into talk about uh, barbarians, but um, uh, I had built a city... And I'd done subsequent things, and I realized after the fact that I had built a city uh, in, illegally. I, I, I built an illegal city. It was an illegal city. <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to have city. a player raid to tell and you. Yeah. And that's actually exactly correct because I then had to, in the in the interest of trying to like not do a super backtrack, we moved my city. There was a forced relocation, yeah. and uh, it was next to one of these barbarians. It was like, okay, well, as long as this barbarian. It doesn't attack. And guess what it did? It attacked, destroyed the city, which then meant that like when I needed to build a second wonder to get an objective, I didn't have a city to put the wonder with. It was like, you know, and and, yeah. you, and Candace, you were also savagely I was, attacked. I also by, had barbarian issues last night. Yes. And mine, you know, your, your problem kind of stemmed from us trying to correct your illegally placed city. Yeah. Where, like, if I'm the SME, the subject matter expert of this game, I should have noticed that. But I'm, I'm also just was a little too engaged in my own civilization. I didn't even notice that you did that. Mm-hmm. I was also, like, kind of looking at, like, Paul and I were on one side of the board. You and Dimitri this, were on this one. This happened last game also. Where, where we there had was to do a, a There was a city next to a fort. A fort is probably... We'll get into so that. I, I want to say that barbarians move... It's a uh, on hexes. You'd yeah. all a die six yes. sided yeah. die six sided hex. Little evil the die de- the die uh, determines which direction they move in. Yeah. It's an example of random input. It just just wanted to and point you know that out. It's and, not and I want to talk about my my barbarian Please issue tell last us, night, and then I'm going to talk about mine because okay. I thought mine was like, ultimately wound up being very funny, even if it did destroy my game. <laughs> okay, so I have built this city right in a great location where I was going to be able to place Beautiful. a control token and Beautiful get location. a natural resource, which natural resources, by the way, are these permanent resources that you have that you can tap into once per turn, whereas other resources you spend towards building wonders, you have to get rid of them, and they're kind of hard to find. Yeah. So I was like so excited. I had a plan, and it was also a city in the mountains, Which so I had to get my city building card all the way up to the mountain slot, Did got it out there, Knew there was a risk because there was a barbarian that started moving towards my city. And then it got to the end of a round because each at the end of every round, there's some kind of event that happens based on this dial. And one of those events is barbarians moving. And I said, you know what? Since I got this problem, I'm going to roll the die, you know, because oh, yeah. I'm going to be mad if somebody else rolls a die and runs this barbarian into my town. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> because I had for full disclosure, I oh, had, yeah. There had been a barbarian battle that Candace had dealt with, and I rolled for uh, for the bar- barbarians, and I I had a <sighs> oh, a very barbarian friendly r- roll. All Way night. too strong. Yeah, then. I was I was a, I was a friend of the barbarians. <laughs> it turns out. So so I rolled the die, and it's a one, 
And so there's this compass that's on the board that tells you which direction they move based on where you roll. And one was the direction of one my city. city. The one direction. One that direction. Could have. <laughs> I could have rolled anything else and I would have been safe. And that was the gamble city. that I took. That was the gamble that I took because I'm like, what are the odds? You know? And I screwed myself, had to take up the city. So then it took me longer to get back to where I was able to build that city yeah, back. And I did get that natural wonder. But again, it all happened it too late. Killed your tempo. It, was, it, was, and that's it what killed ha- my tempo. And that's what happened to me. I mean, what, what was funny for me is that it destroyed my city. And then I had chances to rebuild my city there. But there was still this like barbarian. The city was in the grass, grassland. The barbarian was just like perched in the mountains. And I knew when, when, so we haven't gone into it, but like, if you want to destroy the barbarians, you uh, engage in a battle. And so in this game, the, the battles are very simple. Basically, you roll a die and your opponent rolls a die. So in the case of barbarian, someone just rolls a die for the barbarian. And the, and you both get like a, well, you get a boost. The barbarian would get a boost based on the terrain. So at a mountain, it's going to get a plus five onto their die roll. And although we both get, do we both get the plus five? You or? get based on wherever your millery card your slot card is in. Is. So if you're in slot five, you start of a base of five plus your die roll. So the point is, if a barbarian is in the mountain, they have they have a real big assist. And so I wanted to get rid of this barbarian so I could build my city, but I knew I was going against this barbarian that was in the mountain. So it was it was like the strongest version. And it's like, I don't want to waste a turn. So I then had a situation where I was being held hostage for many turns by this barbarian <laughs> that like wouldn't move and at one point it moved but then came back and it was like it was annoying <laughs> it came back because my own doing because i reinforced something and it attacked it, it was whatever but the point is that um for many turns i couldn't build my city which meant i couldn't get the wonder which meant i couldn't get the goal which means i couldn't get the benefits of the wonder because I was being held hostage by a tiny circle of cardboard which was in some ways frustrating but was also incredibly hilarious yes yes <laughs> I, totally. I have my own story about the barbarians uh, that in, in, in a it's different like war play stories, what we survived with yeah, yeah. barbarian chicks. this is a comedy the, the barbarians invaded my capital city they did oh yeah and, and, and robbed me of a couple of trade goods that oh, kind yeah. of nerfed a couple of my actions yes. um, uh, on my focus street, and then they just stayed. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did. just stayed. <laughs> oh, I think I tried like, to come like, and save you at one point. And you came in. That, that and, game, oh, I was, right, right, right. That and, game, I loved the barbarians because my whole power was to kill barbarians. I'd get all this stuff. Goodies. So I was all about like bring on the barbarians. But this last game, I was like, no, no, no. I'm a gentle wagoner, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. but this, uh, I mean, the fun of this is you're being held hostage by barbarians in the mountains, which feels historical. It right. feels like something that could actually happen. Yes. Uh, my barbarians moved into the city and just stayed and relaxed <laughs> and, and, you know, and feasted on my goods, you, you know, which is what happened when Visigoths invaded Rome the first four times and then yeah. it, it destroyed it on the fifth time. There are clever bits. Uh, there are all sorts of things that happen in this game that are actually historical. That's why they're funny, because they're true. Yes. And you can kind of picture that situation developing, mm-hmm. picturing yourself in that situation, represented by a right. cardboard circle 
And, and that, I, that's that's actually an area where the race. I, I like that. I lo- I actually really like that. This is a race. I like race games in general. But that's an area where a race can be a little frustrating for some people. I'm sure because I have a barbarian situation, which well. Funny is also like now taking up my time, and it took me some time to come up with a workaround to figure out. I have to build another city to do this and that to put out a thing, but, and that put me totally out. Right, but I think what I do like about the barbarians or having them in the game is that you can kind of plan and mitigate. Like you, yeah. you when you reveal a new tile, you'll see where the barbarian is, or at the beginning of the game, yeah. you see where they are. So you see the potential spots where it could move to. And if you want to take that risk and build and not go take care, like, so that's and another thing you're juggling. Like, how much do you want to, like, let those barbarians just kind of move around where it's risky? Yeah, but they're like, again, delish- mine, mine was a mistake, too. Like, right. again, my yeah, city, that was, there, was, there, was yeah. a, there was an asterisk about my entire right. barbarian situation. Yeah, but there are always delicious resources and forts to take over to use those <laughs> barbarians. Yeah, there's, there's, like, a lot of stuff to do and everything i will say there was so one thing that you can do one action card is there's trade where you can actually get these uh little wagons and you can sort of send the wagons across the countryside and then you go to another city and then you'll get trade goods trade goods are the things that can boost up your your card so if your card's at a one if you have two trade goods on it it's actually a three or you can make it a three if you want so you send these you send these things around and you get some diplomacy cards which is like it's usually some. If I go send my my caravan to Candace's city, Candace can give me a card that says something like "You can't attack me," or, which is or another like, like nod to Ti. I think it is very like much so. Cards. But I personally felt like the trade action was a little, a little meh. I I didn't I. Maybe I need to explore it more, but like I, I don't feel like compared to the other stuff, I'm I'm as compelled to go down that path. Well, not in yesterday's game because yesterday one of the objectives was to have four different diplomacy cards. Well, but and 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 my power, I had I was playing um, the Ottoman Empire, and like I had a tech card every. It, with the expansion, or is it just even the base game too? Every leader that you have comes with their own. Uh, up special special that is an expansion thing yeah so everyone has their own special card which means that once in this case if i upgraded my my trade card up to level three i would have the special ottoman empire trade card which let me just like zoom all around and by the time i got that up and running the game just like ended yeah and so i was sort of like bummed because i didn't get to play around with that but i also didn't get to lean into it i didn't get to use the fun parts this may be a ben issue not a game issue but i have found that the the trade action has felt a little less interesting to me than the others. Uh, I, I think uh, yesterday uh, uh, you, Candace, and Paul were on one side of the board, and Ben and I were on the other side of the board. We were bumbling around. Yeah, on our I, side. I, I think Paul had something to do with that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with how we all placed. Uh, but you, well, you put your starting thing right in my corner, so then I had to go around over there. And then, like, you came to my fort. So, Dimitri, you were all up in my business I last never night. attacked you, though. No, you didn't know. I, we well, were, we were good traders. I was actually, actually, like, my 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 illegal city was actually to help us trade more. And so then when I couldn't place it there, that actually also ruined some of my strategic infrastructure, which was very sad. No, it, it, it's like, <laughs> it, it was a comedy of errors. Yes, uh, our little but, wagons but, but again, were just... These are f- 
His wagon got destroyed by a barbarian, by the way. Of note. Of note. That, 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 that's right. It was a wagon. I mean, wagons. You send out wagons across the place. I was playing America. Teddy Roosevelt was my, uh, was my leader. Your wagon leader. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, again, I feel that it was mistakes I made within the game that the game taught me. I didn't feel like the game was forcing me to make a mistake or yeah. or, or, or didn't wasn't giving me options uh, and they were thematically I could understand oh this is what my civilization is doing you know like yeah I do need to build a new city for a wonder because that wonder is some kind of manufacturing thing and it yeah. it, it will be its own city mm-hmm. uh, to house it um, it this is a much smarter game than it looks. Is is that a a a, a fair way, a, a fair thing to say? Do you think? Sure. sure, you can say whatever you want. Well, the thing is, it it, it looks like a bunch of cardboard and plastic, and some of the plastic is really bright, but. It's smarter and more clever and more interesting than it, it needs to be, or it seems at first blush. E- even the portraits of the leaders are more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they have personality. They do. They're, they some of them have really good bodies too. Yes, I have to say. yes. Paul pointed out was it the Assyrian? Uh, no, the Sumerian. The Sumerian, the Sumerian. leader. <laughs> he's, 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 he's I apologize he's a, he's a to the Assyrians and Sumerians listening. I shouldn't confuse them. The Sumerian leader was a zaddy. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, uh, but some some of them are uh, women. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them you can't even tell what what the gender is in a very interesting mm-hmm. way, um, and. They're de- depicted respectfully. Uh, the clothing is depicted respectfully. I don't think there's uh, any civilization. I don't think there's uh, any leader that you f- would feel bad uh, about playing. I-, I think the powers are interesting. I don't know if they're balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul brought up that issue. There, yeah. Well, that's there are uh, that, definitely some that, that, that are And that actually stronger. is something I want to talk about before we then talk about the expansion, what the expansion brings to the table is that there, there is like a little bit of an element of wonkiness in this game that um, didn't really bother me. I don't, I'm not always put off by wonkiness, but some people would be, you know, like when I was playing the Sumerian, that hot, hot Sumerian leader, <laughs> uh, I was just like, it felt like the game was broken. I was able to do, I, I just was doing stuff and we were constantly like, is that a lad? And we looked it up. It's like, I guess it is. Yeah. yeah. There were moments like that strong. or there, there are, there are like, there are die rolls. There are, you know, the, you don't, the barbarians, you don't know which way they're going to, it comes down to die roll, which again, I'm, I'm actually fine with that. You know, when you explore new ter- terrain, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know when you flip it over. Things just might not work out. And like Paul, for instance, last night on the drive home was saying how, you know, one of the, one of the objectives is to get uh, diplomacy cards by visiting various cities and his tiles had all sorts of city states on them. So he was able to very easily just pick up that objective and randomly, go, boom. Randomly. That's he- all randomly. And and that's not it didn't again, that didn't really bother me, but there will be some people who will feel very frustrated by that. And I think it's important for them to know that going in. Yeah, I, I agree, but that I think is why each objective card, besides the fort uh, objectives, have two different conditions. Because mm-hmm. yeah, maybe there there could be one thing that's a little easier for one person, but maybe you're getting more natural wonder tokens like you were before, and you're able to get more wonders. So that becomes kind of 
uh, easier to you. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I was going to say about it is I really like that you can have either, you know, depending on your play style and your group, um, kind of a peaceful game. Yes. <laughs> or you could be kind of attacky against other players. And I feel like personally, I'm more like the space turtles where I'm like kind of defensive. Yeah, I me don't too. like to be aggressive. And um, so. So I, so, so I basically I uh, just kind of lost my thought no, there. No, it's fine. There's, I mean, you don't, I mean, you can you can play it as hardcore as you want to or right. not. And we've actually been pretty gentle, but like it, it could definitely be come down to like lots of hardcore movement. Although that's the thing is that if you are, like those control tokens go down the board, there's so many of them. Uh, we never really experimented with that, but if you're going to try to take over someone's city, like that's that could be a lot of control tokens you have to wade through to get to it. I don't know, but that's uh, kind of like it, it kind of depends. And yesterday, for example, Paul came to I'll put air quotes up my fort, yeah, because uh, we each get to place a fort token on the board at the beginning of the game, you know, but then you have to go actually uh, fight the fort to mm-hmm. claim it and put your city there. And that was another reason that Paul was able to win because of the way the board was set up. He was very close to "quote unquote" my fort. Mm-hmm. Um, the one and that his was, own, yeah, and his own. So he could claim both the one fort and the two fort uh, objectives. Right, right. So two things I want to note is one that they do have a variant in the game where they could say if you want a more peaceful game, I think you only play with the single fort card, and then you would not have the other one where Paul would have been incentivized to come take a second fort. Right. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to note, going back to the leaders and having some leaders be clearly stronger than others, um, the the game says to randomly give everybody a leader, but what we like to do is give everybody a couple because there are like a decent amount of different leaders you can play and then you can choose. And I think... Maybe like the first time we played, we did two each and picked one. And last night we did pick, uh, get three, pick one. But maybe it makes sense to do four yeah. and pick one so, just so you have some good options for uh, your play Ultimately, like with Terra Mystica, it might make sense for serious players to pay for more yeah. powerful uh, yeah. leaders in or, some or way. Yeah. Maybe weaker ones start with some trade tokens on their focus cards. Trade or tokens so, or, or goods. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, can Resources. you tell us a little bit about the expansion and what the expansion adds? And then we can talk about like if, if we felt those were like good yeah sure good additions so so one of the main things is the the focus row is extended um in the base game it just has five slots one two three four five and in the expansion it adds another slot and that's because there's another type of card because the expansion adds districts which we kind of touched on um but you can place these districts out i think there are five or six different types something like that i think and five yeah. they all have these um kind of a different adjacency rules that let you either play more tokens or get trade goods or something juicy every time the district event comes up on the dial mm-hmm. so um the districts are new and then it also adds governments yes which we haven't talked about yet but governments are basically different types of governments that when a government event comes up, you're going to be able to pick uh, one of your cards that's in either of your one slots and place a government token on it. And in future rounds, you could change your government, but you always have to pick one of the ones 
that is in your one of your two one slots. Mm -hmm. um, but what the government tokens do is it makes the card that you pick or the type of card that you pick uh, act as if it is one or two slots yeah. further yeah, on so the focus sort of like row. Yeah, that's sort of like an inherent, it adds like inherent strength. I was, when I was playing the Sumerian uh, civilization, it was very funny because I was communist and I was pretty much communist the entire game. So I was this communist Sumerian civilization <laughs> <laughs> that was, it worked out, it was a good synergy, it turns out to be. Um, the, uh, and also the forts are... The forts are new. And also they, they changed up the way military works. Because I don't think military... Like in the base game, also the exploration. So in the in the base game, you would build the map at the start of the game. Wow. And then the map is just out there and you move around. But the expansion adds you just build like a small map. And it's scaled for like a little smaller for two or three players versus four or five players. Um but you you have this whole exploration, which I love. You know, it gets me excited. Like, oh, what's what's it going to be? And you have right. two sides to every tile, and you can decide how you want to place it. And you know, there's sometimes resources on them, or city states, or barbarians mm -hmm. that are going to uh, come onto those uh, land tiles immediately. So the exploration is changed up a bit. And I think again, the military. Um, I don't think your military, your mil military was a little more abstracted, I believe, in the base game. Mm -hmm. um, and they made that more interesting with the expansion, yeah. too. I think, I, I mean, the, the districts seem to be like one of the big things. And it's the districts are interesting because, you know, when you start the game, you have this little player aid that says what each district, what's power does. And you look at it and you're like, huh? Well, it's, it actually feels like, for me, information overload. And I sort of kind of just don't deal with them at first. But then as the game goes along, you can sort of get a sense of what's going on with your civilization. And then you can look at the player aid. It's like, oh, this one is good for people who have like lots of friendly mountain terrain that they control. Oh, that, that, that would be good for me. You sort of start to like you sort of like start to dive into them as the game goes. I found that was, that's been my experience because always at the start of the game, there's like a reset, like, wait, what do all these things do? These are crazy. And they all have like a paragraph that are associated, <laughs> but you just sort of like go like one at a time. Right. And then they actually are, they actually are engine building it. Cause if you have, the more you put out early, the more effective they'll be over the course of the game, right. which is interesting. It's like a free action kind of when the you know, district events come up. Yeah. Um, I would love to, you know, since we do still have to talk about Ferrari games, I would love to sort of find out where where do you guys land with this? How did, now that we've talked about the whole game, or like a, lot, a large amount of the game, where, like, where, where your expect, expectations were going into it, were they met, and was it fun? Dimitri? Uh, it is a fun game. It does manage to square the circle uh, with... Uh, having a lot of the pleasures of the crunchier games like uh, Nations um, and Through the Ages, uh, but adds a map, uh, adds a, an interesting visual competitive element that everyone can focus on, uh, and improves, in my opinion, on uh, uh, Tapestry hmm. uh, in being an actual game. Uh, rather than just a way to tell a story about your civilization. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the fact that it found a way to distribute the tech tree in a way that it doesn't graphically, visually dominate in a boring way. Um, and I, 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 most importantly, it's replayable 
and it's a two two three hour game. Yeah, can't. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Did you you wanted to add more to that? I thought that, I, I, that felt yeah. very much like a like a <laughs> mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Now, does it replace nations? Does it replace through the ages? No. Uh, through 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 the ages, the nations are crunchier and more competitive. Not mm-hmm. not more interactive, but more competitive. They they're more punishing. Uh, they're like the age of steam uh, of of uh, uh, civilization games. This is more like a Tokyo Metro or London Underground of Civilization games. Mm. But it does the job, it is fun, and it does play in in, in a short amount of time, and it's valuable, and okay. it's replayable. Candice, what do you think? So, for me, it exceeded my expectations, and the more I play, the more I want to play, because of all of... The, the variability and the different civilizations you can play. Like, I, I, I feel like I haven't figured out how to be really good at it strategically, but I think it just really excites me, you know, like seeing how the game changes so much depending on what your objectives are, depending on what other players are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really exciting. And, you know, I have not played just the base game. I know a lot of people just love just the base game fine. But for me, I don't think I would ever play without the expansion. So it's kind of like a Tuscany viticulture thing uh-huh. um, for me because I, I I can see what the expansion adds. And I'm like, no, I would not want to play this without those things. So, yeah. So for me, it exceeded my expectations. And personally, all of our little gripes about like different fidgety rules and needing to, you know, look this up and see how this... It just makes me want to play the game more, so that's all second nature. And mm. I could be like, you know, when I get to a point after I've played this probably another two or three times, uh, if I'm playing with people and teaching new people, I won't need to, like, look in the rule book. I'll just be like, yep, this is what the barbarians do. This is what I can answer people's uh, questions more quickly and just make it click for other people because those rules are going to be ingrained in my head from just playing it so much. So it's definitely like, I have a blast with this. I want to be better at it. I love, you know, I love the focus row with the cards. I love all of the, like, the Twilight Imperium vibes I get from building my civilization. I love the excitement of exploring and just seeing how each game evolves differently, all, again, in a package that you can play in a night in about, like, two to three hours. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, I, I'm, believe it or not, I'm a little mixed um, I, I feel like it came in slightly under my expectations. I felt like there was stuff in there that was incredibly fun. The first time we played, I was like, this is so fun. Like the, the first half of that game, I was like, this is incredibly fun. I'm having a blast. These decisions and I, and the decisions are good, chunky decisions. But I remember feeling in that first game that the first half I was like, wow. But then the second half, I was kind of just like, treading water waiting to do something to sort of be able to kind of like just finish my game uh, which admittedly we had like a little error with how we we yeah, cycled some of the some of the, the the wonders but um i i find that like the decisions are fun but the overall game feels like a little overstuffed for me or overwrought the the fidgety i don't mind lots of little pieces on a board but there was something about like the the tiny fonts and the having to constantly go back for rules which i don't think you should 
put that blame on your shoulders. I think that there is there is an unstickiness about some of these scenarios. But if I, as the leader, the person who is teaching the game, had those rules down, I think everybody's experience would have been much better. But yeah, Candace, you can make any game fantastic that way. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, yeah can make, right. you can make TikTok right. so exciting. Yeah, I don't uh, think it's. I don't think it falls personally. on you. I, yeah, I, I know that feeling because I often say like, "Oh, this game like they my friends would have liked this game more if I didn't have such a herky jerky teach." But I think that there is like, you know we had to repeatedly be reminded about like, wait, how does this one thing work again? Like over the course of an evening. And then that's not a Candace issue. Yeah. But I think if it was a Candace was confident on that and said it like, this is how it works. Everybody else would have probably been more clear. But if I'm fumbling in the rule, like, Oh, let me check, let me check. And I'm not confident about like knowing how it works. I think that does impact everybody else. Yeah, it does. And then again, that's where player aids can help. But like, um, I, I felt I think though, like I've been trying to figure out why ultimately this game that has such a fun core and like skeleton to it, like left me like a little cold. And I wonder if like maybe there is an element of expectations not being met in terms of a civilization game. And when I do think of Nations is an excellent game, I'm not going to say it's a top five game because I've literally put so many games <laughs> in my top five, but it's it's definitely a top 25 game for me if not even higher it's so fun and one of the one of the things that's fun about that game is there is some engine building in that in that like as you go from age to age you are getting more and more riches and wealth and you feel like you are growing and becoming more powerful and i think that maybe with this game i don't actually get a sense of growth like that i kind of feel like i'm just sort of linearly doing things and my cards are the one of the most my favorite things is upgrading those cards i find that it's like so exciting to upgrade those cards and as your cards get stronger like those are where like i have like my my excitement but the act of like going out and killing a barbarian or like going out and setting my wagon it gets a little easier but it doesn't necessarily i don't feel like my civilization is necessarily growing in the same way i'm not getting more riches i mean there's actually no money in this game right and there's I'm not there's some resources the tra- but like the trade tokens and resources. Yeah, you can sort of make a you can you can make you can f- make engine things but ultimately it's not I don't feel in my plays that it's really an engine game and therefore I'm missing that sense of like emotional build with what I'm doing. So I wonder if maybe that is the issue but the card system is really fun and as you're talking about it, it's like I do kind of want to explore cuz there is I really did appreciate that the games were drastically different and that there are there's still so many things to do and try so like I'm not I'm not I'm not like I'm, I I would play it again but um I was hoping that it was going to get its claws in me the way something like Forbidden Stars would which seems like a totally different game but there's something the TI Forbidden Stars this game there's sort of like going out building up claiming objectives um just- that that might be a built-in aspect of really variable games. I, I, I think when somebody goes for variability and for compactness of play, like uh, we want people to play this game 10, 20, 30 times, and each of those plays is, should be two to three hours. They're giving up on uh, really punching you in the face and, and really impressing you mm-hmm. with everything up front. You know, uh, and it, they have to hold certain things back, they, or they have to allow certain things not to shine in, in, in any individual play. Uh, we in Game Brain, I feel, we go for the 
Ferrari. We go for <laughs> the big game that mm -hmm. immediately impresses you, like Ark Nova. Mm -hmm. Now, does Ark uh, uh, Elder played it hundreds of times already, so for him it has the same variability as uh, Civilization's promises. I'm not sure I would want to play Ark Nova hundreds of times. I'm not interested in mastering a game. I'm interested in experiencing it. And I think there is only so much you can experience in Ark Nova before the same challenges begin to present themselves. Well, either way, I mean, I think this is still a fun game. I think it's worth trying. If there are, there is, you can, if there's a mod on TTS. I don't know if it has the expansion with it. I, I, I definitely remember that there was a mod, but I if don't you, know how that would be. I, I think, I mean, I mean, if you want to just like sample it, you know, get a yeah, sense, yeah. you know, like, um, but yeah, I would say check it out and see if it, see if it works for you overall, uh, overall a positive experience. Definitely, yeah. definitely from me. So let's move on and talk about Ferrari games. There are Ferrari games games that uh, look they look big and bold. Is it about the looks? Is it about the feeling? Is it just they're they're just like big exciting things, but they actually are like also they've got they've got something under the hood. Yeah, and not that I've ever driven a Ferrari, but I would imagine. I'm thinking about also the feeling I would have like driving by people in my Ferrari is kind of mm -hmm. like what you feel like playing these games, having them sprawled on the table as other people uh, walk, by. walk by. And mm -hmm. They're games for me that suck you in, that draw your attention, but also reward that attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, you know, they... Uh, they make you sit down and then they make you grateful that you did. Yeah. Uh, now, so I'm going to give you a counter example of Food Chain Magnet, mm -hmm. which, which is a game that really rewards your attention, but looks like something somebody drew on a piece of graph paper and yeah. then colored in <laughs> the sickliest shade of blue-gray imaginable. It's a, Toy <laughs> it's a Toyota camera game, which is like nothing special on the outside, but then you press that press that pedal down and like... I thought it would be a Prius, more of a Prius more game. Prius. Well, I feel like, well, I feel like it's unassuming looking and then like, ooh, it has a very nice performance. Maybe, maybe better than a Toyota Camry, maybe like a, but maybe Food Chain Magnate is a Ferrari to some people. It could uh, be. <laughs> it is to Tom. Now, now Tom kept saying uh, to to Jake in an earlier episode that uh, this is a game that's great, but what if it had drags in it, dragons in it? These are games that have dragons and are great. These are games that have flash and and laser sharks, mm -hmm. pyrotechnics, uh, and, and pyrotechnics explosions uh I, i'm thinking uh lord of the rings uh mm -hmm. versus bergman okay so uh this is not a countdown we're just gonna be sharing uh some of our favorite ferrari games candace lead us off uh so one of the games i picked is uh anachrony <gasps> do you do that's we have our crossover our first crossover <laughs> okay yeah. yeah so anachrony to me i mean you have those exosuit miniatures um, Which are option, optional upgrades, but of course but you should get of them. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they just they make the game so 
epic looking and feeling when you're playing it. And also like the game itself is just like really interesting worker placement with that whole going back in time mm-hmm. mechanism to like leave resources it for takes yourself. Over and- your table. It's yes. like a huge game with stacks of everything, big colorful splotches and big like those minis and yes. this whole concept like, oh, you got to go back in time. Yeah, and and this is exactly why when I play Anachrony, I vow to do it the way I did it the first time I played it, where we set it up, played the game, the base game, and then in the same night, and this is like on a weeknight, school night, um, we just reset, picked different factions, and like added a module or two, and but we played back to back games because it is kind of a beast to set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. A that's a great. That's a great choice. And, and as a counterpoint, Cerebria by the same publishers, to me, not a Ferrari. What That is an exhibit at the Peterson Automotive Museum, as in like beautiful to look at. It is not. It's a Batmobile. It's not real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a very bad experience. I with haven't. That I game. haven't played it yet. I'm curious, but I'm going when I play it. I'm going to go in with low expectations. Well, well, my anachrony is Eclipse. Ah. Uh, and it has alien uh, species, it, it has laser cannons, it has space mines, it has uh, star systems, it has big, chunky spaceships, and I appreciate that every alien species spaceship looks different. So there's a lot of work, it looks like space, it's a modular board, there are battles, there's a battle for the center of the galaxy, and yet... It's engine building. It's an uh, interesting economic game with resources. It's a strategic game. It's a game with alliances and above-the-board play. And it's a game with surprising developments. Really well-paced. So... Yeah, vroom, vroom. I know that's, that's that what we need to do in between I mean, each game. You know, I always feel like there's like the the well, I mean, there's Eclipse and there's Twilight Imperium, and then I always put Forbidden Stars in there. Forbidden Stars would be my version of that. I actually decided not to put it on this list because I talk about it so much, and also you like cannot get it, so it's not really fair to make people excited about it. But for me, Forbidden Stars is that like space opera game with like chunky miniatures and everything, but has like some real like deep fascinating things like I, I love it i was so glad side note that i finally got to play it with you Candace. i'm so happy about that um i'm gonna go in a little different direction i'm gonna say as a ferrari game uh how about railways of the world which is mm-hmm. um like the evolution of age of steam and age of steam gets talked about a lot on this on this uh, podcast like all the time but for me, Railways of the World is my sweet spot. And um, unlike Age of Steam, Railways of the World has, especially if you get like the base game, has this enormous, sprawling, colorful board. I mean, it would, it would not fit on this table. You have to like really ch- like spec out your table to make sure you can have it on there. Oh. It's got all its lush colors. And as you make your train connections, you're putting down the plastic trains everywhere. As, as cities empty out, you have these little silos and everything. So when you look... At it. it looks like this big, you know, all these train tracks, and it's just it. It looks it's 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 got a huge table presence, but it's also an amazing game. It is, <laughs> it is it is legitimately like my number two game of all time. <laughs> I don't know. I really have to revisit this top five, but for a long time at least, Concordia was my number one. Railways was number two. Sometimes it was my number one. 
Um, it's a great, great, great game that looks like a big chunky toy, but is actually like a, like a superb railway game. Vroom. Vroom. <laughs> uh, the, another game I picked is Cloudspire, um, which is a chip theory game. And uh, Cloudspire, you are kind of, um, I guess it's a tower defense style game where you have these minions that are coming to get your tower. It can be played cooperatively mm-hmm. or competitively, but all chip theory games has like really great components. So it's kind of a modular map set up these like neoprene maps that like have really great artwork. And there's a, an extra, there are a couple extras you could get that I think make it really pop. Uh, one is there's a, a map that looks like your city is actually in the sky, mm-hmm. um, in the clouds. And then the other thing is there are miniatures for each faction has miniatures and man, it looks just so cool on the table. And the game itself is just like, just really like chip the arrows does these like really interesting. They're kind of, they're kind of complicated to learn. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think really rewarding in how the, all the mechanisms that they put into the game besides making it just look good. And it's also like just, some of the best tactile experiences that I've ever mm. had from board games. Um, so yeah, so Cloudspire definitely Ferrari, Ferrari. That, that Ferrari. Vroom. Dimitri, any? Uh, for me, a game that feels like a toy, like a big machine that you play with is Tolkien. We've mm. never reviewed it. We play it all the time. We talk about it all the time. It's a good one. It has wheels within wheels that are interconnected. Uh, it's also a race against yourself game. Uh, it's a game where you dare, like, how much longer can I keep my worker on this wheel of time to, to get a bigger reward? But be in danger of having them ground between <laughs> the wheels yes. of time if you leave them too long. Um, it, it, it's almost uh, not language dependent. There's mm-hmm. like beautifully graphic with corn and buildings and blue crystal skulls of all things. It's Aztec. It has beautiful art. But what really drew me to it, because I hated that game for the longest time because it was too punishing. Yes. Now I love it, (laughs) despite it's being punishing. But what kept me playing was the turning of the wheels and and how visually uh, not just uh, amazing it is, but cogent. It, it, It really represents the theme of being ground out of like of like dying and being squeezed to death. <laughs> yeah. When you've been too long at your task and you didn't time it right. And it's also like it adds it makes time a mechanism, which is really cool. I mean, other games do it. In fact, the game we talked about today like as things go up that track, but like it's Zulkin really is like it is a play on the idea of time and that's that's like that's very very clever. So yeah, that's a great choice. Um, one of my Ferrari games. I don't know if people would think it's a Ferrari game, but for me, it's a Ferrari. Praga Caput Regni. I love this game. It has a, a big, beautiful, busy as hell board that is like a giant illustrate. Where's Waldo illustration? Where there's so <laughs> much stuff that you can like look into it. There's, it also has like a totally unnecessary three-dimensional bridge that goes on it. And there's a three-dimensional like staircase thing that some people say actually can get in the way of seeing what's actually going on. There's a wheel 
Also, there's like a, a wheel that like rotates and things are on it. Uh, it's sort of a big ostentatious display. It's like way over the top. And I love this game. This is one of my favorite games that came out the year that it came out. And I I find that this game is like one big hug to my soul. I, I'm sad that I've not gone to play it more. It hasn't quite like taken off in our group. And it's like a little, there's a little bit too much stuff going on for in it for me to have taught it to some of my other friends who game. So I sort of sadly just look at it like this beautiful thing that I never get to the table. But to me, it is a sweet Sweet Ferrari, just just <laughs> waiting in the garage. Yeah, it spends time in the shop. <laughs> it's 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 such a beautiful Ferrari that I'm too afraid to take it out on the road. You know, so <laughs> that's that's my Ferrari, one of my Ferraris. Um, I guess I have two more, so I'll say I'll just go with Lisboa next. Yeah, that's had uh, to come we, up. We kind of talked about this when we were first talking when Dimitri approached us with this topic idea. Um, but yeah, Lisboa, I've only played it once a couple months ago. And honestly, I've, for, for weeks afterwards, I've wanted to play it again. I wanted to play it again. Um, it's just this beautiful, busy, like colorful board. And it has all these different kind of systems within systems that are all working together. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, and player just, aids that are like menus. Right. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And I think, again, the the engine behind it is just really, really strong. Yeah. Uh, my Lisboa is Indonesia. Uh, and I, 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 I poo-pooed FCM. I poo-pooed <laughs> Food Chain Magnet. But Indonesia is the one splatter game that's beautiful. In, in my opinion, uh, it has a beautiful map. It, it has beautiful graphics and artwork that to me remind me of Lisboa. And, and like the lines are so fine mm-hmm. on the artwork, uh, but they're so strongly graphic and, and, and they really speak to me. Uh, and at the same time, it's a really interesting economic takeover game where you can propose mergers uh, and kind of force a mor- merger. Um, and there's like real fine timing as like, when do you spend money to merge companies? Mm-hmm. And when do you take money out in profits? Uh, it, it's a beautiful engine in a beautiful package. My, I'm so torn on, if we're just going to do three, I'm torn about what my third is. I have some contenders, but the, the, this part of me wants to say, and I don't think I'm going to do this one, but I'm going to put it up here. I actually am curious to think if you guys think this is a Ferrari game or not. I kind of think it is, but do you guys think like Brass Birmingham is a Ferrari game? Cause it has like that big, beautiful board, but I don't think of it as a Ferrari game. I think That's- it's a... That's more like a classic car game, you know, when you yeah. drive by one Alexa, of those. It's like a luxury old, car. It's a yeah. luxury car game, right? Yeah. Like a beautiful Mercedes, right? Okay, I'm gonna do something weird as my last um, Ferrari game because I was looking at my collection. And I'm like, I don't actually have too many of these Ferrari games, but I am gonna go with a game called Minara. Do you guys know about Minara? It's a stacking game. It's not a Euro game. It's a. This is like. Jenga, it's Euro Jenga almost, mm. and yeah. you are building a you're building a temple, and essentially what you, it's you have these crazy shaped tiles, and you 
you make you you put them on the ground uh, on the table and you have to take these wooden pegs and you put the wooden pegs on the tile and then you have to put another tile on top of it and then another and you're building this tower and so i thought of it because it's like visually arresting like you make these very tall strange looking towers that also expand outwards and so like they're going to catch your eye cuz you're like you've never seen a stacking game that looks like this and i'm i decided to say it's a ferrari because it's visually arresting but the choices you make and how you approach the stacking, it's not just like, oh, here, I'm pulling something. There's like cards you choose. There's actually just like some strategy on how you go about it. It's cooperative. Um, so maybe if it's not a Ferrari, it's like a like a really, really sexy, like souped up Honda Accord, maybe. I don't know. Like a street. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not that. But um, I think it's still like it's it's visually resting, but there's there's an interesting game there too. So I think as stacking games, it's pretty it's pretty much up there. Uh, ben, you said something you, uh, that struck me, and th- this is why I suggested the topic to begin with. You said you don't have many Ferrari games. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why aren't there more Ferrari games? And of course, well, it's I think really- there are a lot of games that think that they're Ferrari games. Sure, uh, uh, but there's also, I feel, uh, like a prejudice against a game. Like a serious game shouldn't look fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, a serious game shouldn't have like polish uh, and 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 amazing components. Uh, uh, it, it's almost like gaming and play. Mm-hmm. Ferraris are toys. Ferraris are very expensive toys. Mm-hmm. I. I I don't know whether even I want a toy-like quality to my games. Mm-hmm. I, I, the child in me wants them. What, what do you think? Do you think there's a prejudice against? Well, this? I mean, it's hard to say because there's also <laughs> there's probably an economic aspect yeah, of it too, which is that like probably some of these euros don't don't sell as well as like a big old you know. Uh, like seventh continent or uh which isn't really actually a ferrari some game of the, the big sea like games yeah what's that one kingdom minis. death monster right. right these things that have these like million dollar campaigns or gloomhaven you know and so they you know they probably can't afford that but i do i do agree i think that sometimes i who knows like maybe people don't there was probably a long time where it was like this will this will be fine because no one was ever challenged to do better and now I do think that we're seeing better and better components. I'm just looking at my game shelf here. I'm looking at like Yokohama, for instance. I have Yokohama Deluxe, and um, it's got cool pieces and everything. Uh, like in that in that game, you can build little houses and trade houses. And so in Yokohama Deluxe, they're little wooden three dimensional pieces. But the normal one that you get, they're I think they're cardboard pieces. That's an example where something could be like Ferrarified, right? Like that's there could be a little bit more zhuzh in that game, and then it could start to actually look like a little city that's building. Um, and so there are areas that that it could, it could be done. Why it's not done more? Probably because it's expensive. Yeah, I think Hansa Teutonica would be the best best potential Ferrari game. Uh, there's there's been this ongoing thread on Board Game Geek for a few years about a potential re-theme for it. And I believe that the designer is going for some like Chicago mobster thing. But I'm like, if you re-theme Hansa Teutonica 
as a space sci-fi epic that's in the realm of of TI or whatever, and you are placing spaceships and you're placing space stations and you're taking over planets and you have like fun, chunky components, the game would be like so beyond a hit because the gameplay is so good and doesn't need much more. Like that could be a Ferrari game, but right now it's just an engine. I also think like, you know, something like Pax Premier Second Edition um, is is a Ferrari game because mm-hmm. of you know those beautiful it unro- towers. And it unrolls on a, right. a, a, it's, a, a piece of it's gorgeous. Like yeah, you fabric. you will notice it because it looks different and it kind of stands out. Um, but kind of to your point, um, Ben, there is I've heard there's some kind of I, I think it's a you know someone made a variation on that game where they use the expanse. And the expanse is a theme and they kind of twist Pax Pamir and that might appeal to, uh, different audiences. But I guess it's like a lot of the games we love aren't necessary Ferrari games because probably the publishers don't want to spend the money to make it, you know, have the look of a mm-hmm. Ferrari. Um, I think it's mainly, I think it's mainly that not necessarily that. I don't want to buy Ferrari games. Yeah. And and the thing is I've played enough games, like a lot of Kickstarter games where it's like, Oh, this looks so cool. I've I've had some friends like trot out some games that like this game looks amazing. Look at these minis. And then it's like a very meh experience. And after a while you start to say like, I guess it's just sort of in life. It's like, there's a lot more than just like what's on the outside. You realize like, and so sometimes when you start to see these overproduced games, you start to think you, you just you're like you've been a little scarred. You're sort mm-hmm. of you're you're like once been twice shy, you know. So like when someone pulls out Ankh and those giant things, it's like that's cool. But then like you know you're about to give me a mediocre experience. And that and that's you. But somebody else might say Ankh is game. their Ferrari yeah. game. You know. Yeah, exactly. It is gorgeous, but yeah, it just kind of depends. I, I also feel there's a diverse effect. Uh, that's kind of a mirror of what you're talking about, Ben, where, where publishers get burned. I, I think Barrage was a near-miss Ferrari game. They tried to make it a Ferrari game. They now, did. They, it's an amazing game, right? Nobody likes the little bits of mechas. Nobody likes the silly theme of these robots are mm-hmm. building. You know, they kind of miss there. And also when they shipped it, a lot of the pieces, the discs that are actually quite delightful, um, that, that when you build something, you, you, you turn them, you rotate them, uh, they got warped. And they got so much blowback for that. Uh, and that was like a manufacturing misstep, right? But a, a lot of people ranked it like a one or two on BGG and then others try to uh, rehabilitate its reputation saying this is a great game. Uh, they'll ship out replacement discs and you can straighten them out by placing books on them, you know. Just, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. You know, but I, I think... And uh, by the way, and don't forget that Barrage during its campaign, it's like deluxe version, they were they were going to have a 3D board that was going to be angled and it was going to be like the mountains were up high. It was going to be like a three-tiered board. So it was going to be a big visual thing that was going to represent like cascading water, et cetera. And then the ultimate 3D board was apparently just like three pieces of like foam core or something, something really sad. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it it's a failure 
on on our part, I feel as as gamers to demand more, but also forgive mm-hmm. uh, when when publishers fail. Because if if we're gonna like not appreciate it when publishers try to give us Ferrari games, uh, then they'll stop trying. Yeah. They'll learn their lesson and say, okay, if this is for serious gamers, they'll be happy with cardboard and paper and, and they'll provide their own chips, mm-hmm. which we can do just paper money. They don't have to be gratified. They don't have to be um, uh, delighted in the same way uh, that somebody who plays Everdell, who gets to have that tree oh, that doesn't yeah. really do anything but in any case <laughs> <laughs> but yeah same tree, with Praga you know like those, those pearls and yeah or, or Paris with that <laughs> Eiffel Wingspan oh yeah Paris with the Paris oh, has right. that, uh, that the Arc Triumph yep. and then and Wingspan has like the bird the bird the bird house yeah, and the eggs it's like it's like I want that I want that I, I also want a good game uh I don't know. I mean, I think I think that actually the reason why some of these these dry Euro games don't have like the Ferrari effect is probably a lot more complicated. It's probably a mixture of all these things. It has to, probably has to do with logistics. It has economics. You know, I think there's just there's so many tiers of it, and there are other probably publishers who've been burned. There's a game right now that I'm I'm will be coming hopefully soon. Stroganoff, which uh, is dealing. They're having a whole uh, a similar issue where they. They call it Stroganoff Deluxe, and now some people have their copies and like this isn't deluxe, and they're getting all mad. Aww. Like this, this is bendy, and there's issues. So it's definitely a. It's I think it's really probably very difficult for some of the smaller publishers or just game publishers in general to like somehow sometimes just like. Come, but it's possible. But it it's is possible. possible. You you mentioned Praga Caput. Regni, uh, uh, underwater cities. Yeah, by the same designer, Pulsar twenty eight forty nine. Yeah, yeah. T- to me, uh, just you know those little caps, bubbles. the bubbles, the domes, yeah. and suddenly I have a it's- smile on my face. And the fact that something like Soken or Tetehuacan with its amazing pyramid, that, right, the, with the blocks that I just yeah. can't <laughs> stop touching. The fact that those games exist and they were made and they were, sh- and I assume they made money, it's possible. Right. Yeah, it just should be just a little more frequent. It would be, it it would be wonderful if that were, if that, if we could, if we could do that. Well, hopefully maybe the global shipping, uh, crisis will pass at some point and you know and then maybe that will help things but for right now we're done so thank you guys so much for for being here as as the guest and thanks to everyone who's been listening um uh this is you've been listening to game brain produced and edited by matthew robinson tom donnelly trey Alsup, and ben mandelker special thanks to daedalus for our incredible music more on daedalus at gamebrainpod.com and thanks to edamar peleg for our incredible graphics be sure to check him out on instagram at kubuloni uh, or his website kubuloni.com you can reach us by email at contact at gamebrainpod.com or on twitter at gamebrain underscore pod thanks for listening and remember go play some games with friends or make some friends with games and see Ben in Pennsylvania that was the first time I landed the ending and that's what happens (laughs) oh I'm so sorry (laughs) it's okay oh